You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, episode 200, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. everyone and welcome to the 200th episode of the doctor's companion i'm scott corelli and i'm exhausted just thinking about that i'm with me today i have my uh my new who brain trust who you guys will be uh very familiar with by the end of uh, the next 13 weeks cassandra Fredrickson. it's okay i'm tired too <laughs> and but are you 200 episodes worth tired uh no <laughs> i hope so i hope to be one day anyway <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> uh and nick Jimenez. hey everybody um so today on the show uh we are celebrating our 200th episode and um i thought it would be a good idea to talk about uh the 11th doctor uh matt smith era of the show of doctor who um, because that's the whole reason the show was started. Uh, it was started back in December of 2009 with my original co-host, uh, Randy McKinney, um, who, uh, left the show, uh, right around the beginning of series six, I think like two or three episodes into series six, he, he left the show. Um, the way we then, all wanted uh, to, what's that? The way that we all wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Um and then he got out. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then uh and then Matt joined the show and was my co-host for um a long time after that and then he left at the end of uh Time of the Doctor. So that was his last episode. And uh we've been alternating uh hosts and 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 doing all sorts of things since then. Um and uh hopefully the show will continue for a long time uh, moving forward. Um but uh, let's 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 uh, let's let's talk about the Eleventh Doctor era. I want to get your guys' overall thoughts, sort of on the era. Um, we're going to be t- tackling it episode by episode in a little bit. But before we do that, I want to hear what you have to say about um, the entirety. Like looking back at his era as a whole, uh, this this uh, three or four year tenure of the show. Um, you know what is uh, what 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 were what were some of its successes? What were its failures? Um, you know how did it did it did it end up working in the end? Uh, Cassandra, you left the show in uh, the middle of series seven. You like kind of like bailed. Yes. Um, and uh, and I don't even think it was on purpose, right? You you were just like, okay, well that's done, and then new episodes started airing, and you were just sort of like. Eventually, I'll get to them. Um, so you just ra- you just you just watched it all. Um, yes. In fact, you just finished like just like an hour ago or something like, like that. Thirty minutes ago, I just yeah. finished. <laughs> yeah. So so without like getting too much into any imp- like any episode in particular, what are your overall thoughts on the Matt Smith era now that it's over? <sighs> I I don't know because it's all like super duper fresh which is weird because everyone's had like a really long time to sit on it. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
I think that Matt Smith is a wonderful actor and a wonderful doctor, and he has some really, really excellent highs and some really, really terrible lows. Um, But overall, it's like... I think he deserved better. Like, that's my feeling right now. Like, I think he... He's so good, and I feel like he never really truly reached that potential. Um, And a lot of that is tied into, you know, the writing, and we'll talk about that. But, like, I don't know. I'm I'm pleased with his run, but I, I feel like he deserved better from the show. And I feel like we deserved better as, like, an audience, too, but... I don't know. It was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. Uh, For the most Nick? part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's looking back, it's actually better than I remember it being. Um, you know, because like, I was you know looking over episodes and watching them and then like reading about other ones that I couldn't watch. And just being like, oh, like, you know, ep- episodes that I remember at the time being like, oh, this is awful. Looking back and being like, oh, that. I actually remember that fondly, and I think really, I I agree with Cassandra that um, the the writing of the show and the plot and just what what Moffat turned this run into was sort of at the disservice of Matt Smith as a as an actor. Um, Because yeah, he's a he's a he's a great actor, and I can't wait to see what he does now that he's free from from the show. Um, But yeah, and I, I I think really this era was just kind of the victim of just kind of a poor bullpen of writers. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like we, we, there, there were, there were some great, great standout episodes during these past like three years. But then if you look and it's like the same three people that just kept turning in mediocre episode year after year for like four years. And it, 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 it just became hard to get excited as the years came on, because just nothing, you know, and that's why I'm so excited for series eight is it really does seem like there's going to be an overhaul in the show's like engine. And I'm really excited, but yeah, but look, so looking back on the, on the Matt Smith era, like I do really enjoy it. And, uh, are we talking about if we saw it as a success or not? Yeah. I, I mean, taking away like, you know, just by the basis of was the show successful. I think the, the Matt Smith era one run was kind of a mammoth success. In terms of like the show became like iconic in a way that it hadn't even like in the I remember at the end of the Tenet era we were like how can it get bigger than this and it really did I mean now it's mm-hmm. like you know people are like just so the, the show has just become a like a crossover success in a way that we I don't I, I never thought it would you know going back to the two thousands and you know say what we will about this episode or that episode and say what we will about Moffat, but you know, this run of the show really kicked things up into high gear and the show ended up kind of reaching like the stratosphere of pop culture in a way. So it's hard to call it anything other than a success in that respect, even though, um, you know, it's almost kind of like the transformers movies where it's so big that it's almost difficult to see, remember that there are kind of cracks in the armor. I know that's kind of, I've never thought I would, um, compare Doctor Who to Transformers, but <laughs> but yeah, just big, epic, but then ultimately at times uh, unexpectedly empty. 
and it'll yeah. be, it'll be interesting to see how the new era. Maybe if we flip it, maybe if we go small and deep. Mm-hmm. I I I would agree with that because it is it is really like coming from like a a business standpoint, which you know he's a producer and the BBC is still like a studio, even though it's like government owned. I don't know how that works, um, but it is a success from a like a network standpoint and like a you know like a business standpoint. Like it makes tons and tons of money and there's yeah. so much merchandise and dvd sales and all that stuff um and i don't know i just while you were talking and saying how it got too big i kind of related that back to <laughs> like the middle of series seven where the doctor's like oh i got too big and then everything kind of scales back i don't know it's i'm a nerd show um i don't know so it kind of like mirrors the plot of the show in an unexpected way, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. it it gets really big and bombastic and epic, and then they kind of pull it back a little bit. And it is still, like, big, but... I don't know. I, think, I don't know where I was going. I yeah. think we're weirdly going... Because, like, looking back, you know, you read about how season eight is kind of going to be darker and kind of quieter and more, you know, just longer and whatnot... I, I I wouldn't doubt if maybe in a couple of years we look back at this like screwball frenetic era of Who and kind of like oh yeah that was fun remember when you would just talk a lot and kiss people for no reason and like they were just <laughs> they're just throwing money down a vortex you know it's like, those are yeah. those are exciting times. Well, what if how do you guys feel about? Um, because I mean we could say a million things about whether or not we like. Moffat's vision of the show um, as script editor but my question I guess is that uh, if you can if you take your your like personal feelings out of the equation like if you if you look at this almost as like a science experiment <laughs> um, or a science project you look at you look at the Matt Smith era and you're like okay what was Moffat trying to accomplish what were his goals uh, for this era and did he accomplish those goals and did he accomplish them successfully because when I look at this and I look at and we're going to be talking about it more in depth later but when I look at um, you know the end of time of the doctor and I sort of look back at everything I can't help but sort of feel like yeah it kind of was a success like I feel like everything that Moffat set out to do he did and and granted there are there are lots of times throughout the run where I think he lost his way and I think he got distracted by bright, shiny things. Um, but I I can't help but get this overwhelming feeling every time I watch Time of the Doctor um, and, and wrap up this era. I can't help but get this overwhelming feeling that it was a success. Um, what do you guys think of that? Cassandra. As, as far as like the of like what Moffat's what what Moffat's interpretation of the show was and like what he was setting up because I don't know like you look at the Matt Smith era and it see it becomes obvious to me that uh, Moffat wanted to tell the the story of a doctor who is the last doctor um, in the line uh, in in this original uh, regeneration uh, line mm-hmm. he wanted to tell basically the last story of the doctor and tell like make like just and just say that like this doctor is the most important doctor that's ever 
existed. And like you can you can look at that and you can point and sneer and say like that's 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 like one that's really like that's kind of that's kind of a jerk move on his part of just being like oh your doctor's the most important. And so you can point at stuff like that and you can say things like that. Um but I wonder at the end of the day, if that was his his plan and that was his vision for the show, you know, did he did he did it work? Yeah, did it work? Like, did does it feel like what he wanted out of the show? He he actually ended up getting. Um, I I would say so actually. Um, because like you said, like he it does feel like he lost his way and kind of got distracted by a lot of things like series six definitely feels like that but from like time of the doctor he kind of incorporates all of those pieces like things that we you know because like the the crack in time like i i thought that was actually really clever like and he incorporates that and he um, I don't know, like, he does make Matt Smith feel like an important doctor, and whether or not it's, like, uh, sloppy or ham-fisted or, like, not subtle at all is up for debate, but, like, I don't know, I feel like he, yeah, no, I would say that Moffat's vision kind of came full circle in time of the doctor, mm-hmm. whether or not that's a good or a bad thing, but right. I think yeah. he, he, he had a vision and I think he executed it successfully. Yeah. I would, yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. We, you know, it, it, it's very easy to, um, sort of critique and, uh, pick apart like the Moffat area, uh, era of doctor who, which we've all done. But, you know, I think when you kind of take a step back and look at it just as sort of an era of a larger institution, kind of like, you know, how Saturday Night Live had like the Will Ferrell era and the Dana Carvey era. I think it's interesting, almost kind of admirable, at least in in, um, in uh, theory, the idea of I'm going to turn this into like the biggest, most important Doctor Who story ever and everything will be epic and important and it will have poems and fairy tales. And I think... Yeah, that got kind of tiresome after a while, but I think I think as time goes on, it'll just be seen as a very interesting era of this this institution of a show that we all love. All right. Um, okay, so we're gonna get uh, we're gonna talk about every episode um, in just a second. Before we do, I want to remind everybody that we are sponsored by DCBService.com which is the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic books and collectibles at discount your local comic book shop. Just can't compete with. Uh, use DCBS to place your orders two months in advance and get discounts of 40% off and special discounts up to 50% off. So place an order as big or small as you like and then choose to ship monthly, bi-weekly, or weekly with flat rate shipping for only six ninety five every time an order goes out. Um, go there and pre-order uh, the the new Doctor Who comics from Titan Comics. You can go there. There's there's a tenth Doctor, an eleventh Doctor, and a twelfth Doctor ongoing series, all available for pre-order at DCBService.com. Also check like collectibles and videos, like every everything Doctor Who uh, invariably ends up 
going through the Diamond catalog, which means it's available for pre-order at DCBService.com at a, at a nice hefty discount. So go check that out uh, and, and thank them for sponsoring the show. All right. So uh, so let's get started with the Matt Smith era. Um, we're going to do sort of a, a little bit of a lightning round um, kind of deal because, you know, we got a lot of episodes to talk about. Um, and we're going we're gonna to cover it story by story. So if there's two parters, they'll, they'll count as one. Um, so let's let's get it started with the the eleventh hour. Uh, Cassandra, what are your what are your thoughts on the eleventh hour? I love the eleventh hour. I love it. I straight up love it. Um, I know we're gonna do like top episodes, but eleventh hour is definitely like one of my top episodes for this era because it's it's fun. It's like it's Moffat, but like not hyper Moffat, you know. Um, and I don't know. I, I've seen it at least seven times. I love it to death. Yeah. It's uh, for me too. It's probably the, the 11th doctor story I've seen the most. Um, weirdly, I, I, I don't know if I just like, I don't know. I always seem to, uh, uh, watch it over and over again. And, and, and it, and because it works as a first episode, like that's, what's I think the most impressive thing about it is it works as like a brand new pilot in a lot of ways. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's an easy one to show people, um, for them to get sort of like get the show and understand. I think it brought a lot of people into the show. Um, really, cause you know, Mm -hmm. there's that weird, that weird doctor who fan that exists now that are just like, Oh, David Tennant was a terrible doctor and you just want to slap him. (laughs) Um, but it's because they, they only know Matt Smith and, and that's, this was like the beginning of everything. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts on the 11th hour? Um, yeah, I love it. It's clean. It's crisp. It's funny. It's uh, it's a Stephen Moffat episode of Doctor Who as opposed to a Doctor Who episode of Stephen Moffat. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> that's really good. That's wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and it's just it's so charming and fun and cute and exciting, and it it just it's full of hope for the show and the franchise. Yeah, no, it's it's terrific. All right, uh, second episode of series five, uh, the Beast Below. Um, this is one that I think is really underrated, and I can. Uh, this is another one I can watch like just any time. Um, I really love this one, uh, Cassandra. What do you think? Um, I I agree with you. I actually a lot of people either like dislike this. Ep- I don't know why they they have no heart. You have no heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like it, and it actually makes me cry like routinely. I've seen it quite a bit, and. Yeah, no, it's good. I like it. I like it as a second outing, too, because it kind of broadens the scope. Like, oh, yeah, we can travel in space and we can travel in time. And here's what we can do with the show. Um, And it reminds me a lot of ways of uh, the end of the world, like uh, Eccleston's second episode. Mm -hmm. Like it broadens the scope, but it still has a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I and but, I think what's funny is, uh, especially in those first uh, the, these first few seasons, um, it, it's not the case anymore. But with the the first three doctors of um, well, first yeah, with the first three doctors of this new era, every season um, had uh, sort of a a story set on Earth in modern day, then a story set in the far future, and then a story set in the far past. Like that was that was like oh, the first three episodes of every companion, yeah. Um, every season, and it was it was really interesting, and they they continued it with this one. Um, 
and you know we go to victory of the daleks next in just a sec but yeah so they they kind of he kind of like i think moffat figured that out and was like oh we should probably repeat that for this because it works so well mm-hmm. nick yeah i think it's a really underrated episode um the thing that sort of stands out the most to me is uh this is really great uh monologue that matt smith has when he kind of realizes what's been happening to this poor whale and um i think it was like a big i think there was a big um taste of matt smith's range because in the previous episode he was very much the cat in the hat and then uh, in this episode we really got like oh he, he's actually a little bit effed up in the head and like angry mm-hmm. in a way that even even tenet wasn't and uh so yeah like i think i actually don't uh get the hate this episode uh receives i think it's i think it's yeah i think it's under yeah it also features uh arguably two of the most iconic moments of series five like it's images that we see a lot come from this the opening with uh with amy hanging out of the tardis by like and and uh the doctor is like holding her by the foot um Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the you know that's how this opens and then it closes with them uh looking out that window out at the universe and i don't know how many times i've seen that image um, yeah, and and they were both in this episode. Yeah, it's a it's a really really underrated episode. I think. Uh, is this the first? Uh, is this the first utterance of Geronimo? No, 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 no. He that was his first like thing when he uh, at the end of time. Oh yeah. right, that's right. true. I think it yeah. was the first time since then though. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, all right. So victory of the Daleks. Um, this is the uh, this is the one written by Mark Gatiss. Um, and it's the uh, it's the World War Two Dalek thing, uh, Cassandra. Meh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I I really like the Daleks. I mean, who doesn't? But and I really I don't know. There's likable things about this episode, but I don't know what it is about Margatus. Like he just constantly delivers like mediocre episodes and i don't understand why yeah he hits clearly like he knows what he's doing but it's just like i don't know yeah in baseball terms like it's like moffat continuously tries to knock it out of the park every time like every time and he'll fail he'll 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 make a foul ball but like the guy is always swinging for the fences and and then mark gatis gets to bat and he just sort of like just like <laughs> bunts the ball like every time. And then he walks to first base. And yeah, then, exactly. Yeah, he bunts and then walks to first base and he's like, No, I'm good. I'm it's okay. Like, you could try harder. No, that's I'm fine with the bunting and the walking. It's good. Yeah. It's like he knows that he's never going to be traded. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I I could literally I could literally write Victory of the Daleks and like I would still be I would have a job like three years from uh-huh. now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I think that uh, Victory of the Dogs has a lot of things going for it. Like, I, I like the idea of uh, the the tea serving Dalek is just such a great image. I love that; um, <laughs> it's so much fun. But uh, then you, on the other side of that, you have the ending with the guy where it, it's just like he's a robot, and, and he's just like, you know, love harder, robot, and then your bomb won't go off. Well, oh, yeah, actually, like, like what? Because <laughs> oh, um, rewatching it all, like, uh, I can't like Amy does that in the third episode, and then in 
Pandorica, when Rory is an Auton, it happens again. Yeah. And then it's it's like a theme, like. But at least keep... at least with Rory being an Auton, it fails. Yeah. I mean, at least at least there's that. But like in this, he succeeds and not blowing up. And you're just like, but you're not a per, but he's he's not a person. He's a robot. I don't understand what's happening. I don't know, and I think it's interesting that like these people are like not human, but they can retain their humanity, and that's also like a theme yeah. too. Because Rory remembers those two thousand years as an auton, but when the universe reboots or whatever, like he's human, obviously. Right. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting theme, but it just kind of falls flat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and like in closing time too. Like, I'm a cyber leader, but no, I love my baby. Oh, right, that's that. right. Oh, weird. Yeah. God, that happens a lot. Uh, yeah, Nick. Nick, <laughs> what are your what are your overall thoughts on Victory of the Daleks? Yeah, it's just it kind of it's kind of a bum episode. I mean, like there's there's interesting parts. I mean, like you you see that poster with the Daleks like two victory like all over the place mm-hmm. now. Um, that's kind of become like a you know a big fandom thing i guess but yeah and it's kind of a bummer because you you watch this and you remember oh right this was supposed to kind of reboot the daleks Mm -hmm. like in terms of like now there's a red one and a blue one and they could not have bailed on that quicker like i don't think they ever come back and what and like what like oh god i hate that they bailed on it because it's a cool idea um it's just that it was so like immediately and and gratuitously uh rejected by fandom that they dropped it um they come back in asylum but they don't do but anything they all come back in right? asylum yeah they just sort of exist yeah yeah i don't know uh, i think well. it's cool like they have like different paradigms and it's like oh you're a science oh, yeah, officer yeah. it's really the, cool i just wish yeah. they would have done something with it i just wish it wasn't like a marketing ploy because it is. It's like, you know, let's sell Dalek toys. Let's make them the Power Rangers. Well, that's, I mean, I guess. <laughs> that's, I mean, I, that's, that's sort of a, a bummer like way a, to look at it, I guess. No, um, it's like a merchandising ploy, though. It totally is. Well, I mean, it might be, but that doesn't, I don't know. That, that, that bumps me out. I reality. I don't, I don't need reality. I'm watching I mean, Doctor Who for other that, reasons. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, most, most things that we like are marketing ploys. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. If you want to get technical. It's true. Shh. <laughs> All right. So that, I mean, that brings us to uh, the time of <laughs> angels and flesh and stone, which was another Moffat episode. This is the two part of return of the angels return of river song. Um, I don't know my, my overwhelming thoughts on this. Like every time I watch it, I'm like, I, I mean, I know lots of people who really love this two parter. Um, I, I don't really think it's that great. Like, I think it's fine. Like, and it, ha- it definitely has its moments. But I think overall, it, it does kind of bum me out because I really just don't ever want to see the angels again after Blink. Um, and getting, like, all of this, like, extra detail about them, I think just kind of ruins it. And this is also the beginning of River Song, like, not being a cool character anymore. Um and uh so yeah it kind of bums me out for multiple reasons i don't know um i think they're i think they're still like pretty good episodes but i don't i don't think that they're um nearly as good as uh most people give them credit for but i don't i don't know maybe i'm wrong uh cassandra uh time of the angels holds up 
like I it's still in that sweet spot where the angels are really really scary um especially the first episode when I was actually because I tend to keep two partners together like as one cohesive unit but in my list of like episodes I um because I ranked them because I'm a giant nerd uh (laughs) time of the angels is at like the top of the list and flesh and stone is like middling toward the bottom Mm -hmm. because like time of the angels is oh it's so good and then it kind of he he drops the ball in flesh and stone and it's really unfortunate plus we see an angel move and that's not the point like you're Mm -hmm. not supposed to see them move um and then like like the moment where that angel in the forest turns its head like that's when they stop being scary and i'm like oh okay i don't care about the angels anymore because of this moment right here which is unfortunate but uh, i don't know i feel like time of the angels holds up and flesh and stone is like eh you tried it was mm-hmm. pretty it was okay but, maybe yeah. maybe maybe that is uh ends up being my problem too is like i'm just remembering flesh and stone because it's the it's the yeah. thing that leaves the bad taste in my mouth. It's like it's like Love and Monsters. The first like thirty minutes of Love and Monsters is so good, and then you see like the weird alien, and it completely kills it. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, uh, Nick. Um. Yeah. Uh, this is it's an episode where um, Matt Smith is really good. Uh, Karen Gillan's really good. Alex Kingston's just doing the best she can to be a real character and not like a plot device. But yeah, like <laughs> they I, all I, are, Nick. They're all trying their best. Sure. <laughs> oh man, I just I want a screen cap of just all three of them just kind of getting a, a new script and just sort of like, huh. <laughs> so I have long legs again, I guess, according to this script, and I'm really smart. Anyway, I put like. Sorry, um, but yeah, no, like again, like there's really cool moments. Like I, I really love the cliffhanger ending uh, with Matt Smith being like, you know, what's the one thing you don't put in the trap? Um, I think there's good moments, but again, it's all just kind of a bit. This is kind of the beginning of this is when I think we all started realizing that Moff, Stephen Moffat just kind of has ten cool things, and now it's just like which ones are gonna pop up? Because mm-hmm. like some, everything, I don't want to sound like too cynical, but everything cool about this episode is also much cooler in like Forest of the Dead mm-hmm. where like it's like oh like it's their you think it's their voice but really it's the monster yeah. using their voice right. like I, 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 I've I seen this right. and it was and the angels I don't know the angels are kind of like the Freddy Krueger of Doctor Who where like the first time your mind's kind of blown by how creative it is and then you know every time they come back and we'll talk about it in a few minutes but they just to really diminishing returns absolutely so um, okay, so the Vampires of Venice, which is uh, the first Toby Woodhouse episode of the, of, uh, of the Matt Smith era. Um, Toby Woodhouse is uh, one of my favorite writers of uh, Doctor Who, and I, uh, I I really really hope that he's the guy that ends up taking over the show um, when Moffat eventually leaves. Um, but uh, Vampires of Venice is uh, one of my favorite episodes of series five, and. The reason is because it you just get this overwhelming feeling that it's having fun and that everyone is having fun. And it feels like classic Who in a way that um, nothing from the Russell T. Davies era ever felt like classic Who. Um, 
uh, it just has like this this villain with and it has like big ideas and you know with the with the fish monsters and the mating and the whatever like it just it feels very classic who to me in its uh idea and um you know to to a lesser extent its structure but i think that it i just get this overwhelming classic who vibe from this episode and uh it makes it a lot of fun for me uh cassandra what do you think it's interesting that you say it kind of deviates. Well, not deviates, but it feels like classic Who in a way that Russell T's era never felt like that because I think this episode is the most David Tennant Matt Smith has ever been. <laughs> like that first that first scene where they come out of the TARDIS and he's monologuing about Venice and everything. It's he sounds like David Tennant, and it's like I, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, this like. I don't know. It just if it's like it feels like a Doctor Who episode. Mm-hmm. I think is what we're agreeing on. Like it just feels like it belongs in the show, and it's so good. I love it. It's one of my favorite episodes from Series Five too. Yeah. And the only reason it didn't make my top ten for the era as a whole is because there's like so many other good ones. But yeah, no, it's I. It's one of my favorites. Now that you point out the uh, David Tennant similarities, the ending with him on the tower, like trying to get that, break that thing or whatever, um, it it is very David Tennant-y. Like there's so many episodes of the David Tennant era that end with that um, sort of thing. So, so yeah, that's a good point. Um, Nick? Yeah, just kind of echoing what you guys said. It's it's just, it's fun. It's standalone. There's very little um, crack on the wall mythos in this which we haven't talked about yet um but it's yeah it's it's a lark and it's fun and like you know can't be overstated how much chemistry arthur darville and karen gillen and matt smith had and this is just them in their prime when they were just everything was fresh and new and exciting and it was yeah it's just it's just a this is just a vintage episode of like the the smith era absolutely um all right so amy's choice which is uh, the, uh, the, uh, what, what, oh God, what is that guy's name? The, uh, dream, the dream Lord, dream Lord. That's right. Um, the, the dream Lord. And, uh, this is written by Simon Nye and, and it's, it's, uh, the alternate universe thing where, um, the characters are trying to figure out which is real and which is the dream. Uh, the, the, uh, disaster on the TARDIS as they fall into like a negative sun, um, freezing the TARDIS, uh, negative sun science, you guys, uh, not real. Um, not a real thing. Um, uh, but, but yeah, that, or, um, the, the character is sort of like settling down and Amy's pregnant and, and Rory has a mullet, uh, or a ponytail or something like that. Um, and it's uh, it's I I find that it's uh, it, it's a pretty really like solid episode. I think the biggest uh, problem I have with it, and it's and the great twist that they're both dreams is uh, excellent. Um, my biggest problem with it is that I I find a disconnect between uh, the the resolution being that there was like spores were the problem, and the Dream Lord was because of the spores um and i just and but like also being like a part of the doctor's psyche or something i don't know i i always wanted the dream lord to come back because i think it's a really cool idea um and it felt like they left it open to do that but they never bothered to bring him back um 
So I do feel like it's a slight missed opportunity, but I think the episode itself is uh, really, really fun and solid. Uh, Cassandra. Um, Amy's... No, I, I agree with everything that you've said so far, and I actually really, really like this episode, like, more than vampires, actually, for, like, different reasons, because the Dream Lord reminds me a lot of the Valyard from Classic Who, and I love the Valyard, and I love the idea of the Valyard, and I really wanted them to, like, bring that back and explore it, especially with, like, the Doctor using up, like, the last of his regenerations, like, he was teetering on that point so i was hoping that they kind of would bring that in and incorporate it but eh, maybe another time but yeah no i really like this episode and i really like the twist that both of them are dreams and like i was watching this episode and i was like oh yeah like i should count how many times rory dies because like everyone dies like twice in this episode technically technically um it's I don't know. I, I I enjoy it. It's it's very it's a very strong outing. Nick. Uh yeah. This is the episode uh, where Amy Pond and the Poncho Boys came from. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of like what I remember it the most from. Uh, but yeah, it's fun. Uh, yeah. I, I, I anytime anytime you get to see Toby Jones and anything, it's just a, like a little gift. Mm. Yeah. Especially Toby Jones in a basically like in as Q. I mean, that's essentially what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, it's it's so much fun. Uh, but yeah, um, the Hungry Earth, Cold Blood, which is the uh, two parter that um, introduced the Salarians to New Who, uh, written by Chris Chibnall, and um, I think it's really boring for the most part. Uh, the, the I think the that the Solarian des- creature design is really great, and I love the way their city work lo- like looks and everything. I think that's really cool. The underground Solarian city is really nice. Um, but overall, I find getting through these two episodes a chore. Uh, Cassandra, um, from what I remember, like watching it through the first and second time, um, it kind of was. But then, like, I hadn't seen it in, like, a few years. And rewatching it was actually not that bad. I liked it more than the first couple times. And I thought, like, they... You know, it's still... They're not great. And they're, there's still problems with it. But I was actually surprised by how much I did end up liking them more than I thought I would. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I still kind of miss, like dudes in a suit like a lizard suit with like the weird little kazoo music and the lights <laughs> on top of their head but like that clearly like wouldn't work in this era for mm-hmm. you know multiple reasons but i don't know the solarians as a concept are pretty cool but i yeah i was actually mostly surprised with how like easy it was to watch this one too on this time nice nick yeah, they're they're okay. I don't think this <laughs> needed to be. I don't think it needed to be two parts. Um, I, I I haven't I haven't watched this in the past couple of days. It's I mean I I, I haven't seen a lot of series five besides like the ones that we're going to be talking about individually. Um, and yeah, like I I just remember a lot of like running around, a lot of Doctor and Companion being separated because of we have two parts of these to like fill out. 
Um, it's always cool whenever um, we take a step back from like space opera and then get into like big existential questions about peace and war and like whose planet is it. So I, I, it's always fun when Doctor Who can kind of dip back into science fiction, and I appreciate that. And just uh, the the Solarians just don't really interest me that much as villains or, or, or creatures. So uh, yeah, I mean not not my not my favorite episodes. All right, uh, Vincent and the Doctor, written by Richard Curtis. Um, this is uh, this is a top three episode for me. Um, this is uh, this is the one with uh, with uh, Vincent Van Gogh and and that whole thing, um, and just the idea of uh, mental illness being like the invisible monster. Um, you know, and then you have an invisible monster and just like everything about this is just the themes and everything is beautiful and it never, um, it, it, it is, it is impossible for me to not cry while watching the end of this. Um, it's a, it's a phenomenal episode. I think it's, uh, I think it's beautiful. Um, what about you, Cassandra? Oh, this episode is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, rewatching it. I cried for like 20 minutes, like 20 straight minutes. <laughs> like it was, it was awful, but, and it's, it's just a love letter to art and people dealing with like mental illness and, or just obstacles, like, like invisible obstacles that people might judge them for, that people might not understand and it's oh god i'm tearing up right now no it's so good and i relate to it like on so many levels and it's uh, it's wonderful i and it stands out because it's not like a typical doctor who story like yeah there's a like an alien there's running around and there's like weird tech and whatever but it's it's so quiet and it's so mm-hmm. uh, I just, it's wonderful. I I, it's a top three episode for me too. <laughs> I uh, I find that because um, I remember it got a lot of backlash when it came, when it aired. Um, a lot of people did it really? really? Yeah, a lot of people hate this episode. Um, but I find that the line uh, between people who love it, like it's a love or hate. Like I don't know anyone who's indifferent to it. Um, either people uh-huh. really passionately love it or really really hate it. And what I find is that the the difference between those two people is that the people who love it tend to be artists of some kind, and the people who hate it are people who are not creative whatsoever. Huh. Yeah. Non non creative people hate Vincent and the Doctor. They think it's a bad. They think it's bad um, because you know they they kind of miss the point. Um, yeah. So that's so, unfortunate. Yeah. So it's just something interesting that I found. Uh, yeah. But uh, Nick, what what do you think? Yeah. No. It's um. It's I. This is this is also in like my top whatever. Um. I love it. Um. It's great. I wish I wish the show would do more episodes like this where they would just hand. Like kind of an iconic uh, uh, UK writer, and just go, hey, write an episode of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and just let's just see what happens. Well, they did it for um, series five and six because Richard Curtis was five and Neil Gaiman was six. So, yeah, yeah, but like it's definitely something I want them to keep doing. Oh, absolutely. Like, let's just give like I don't know. Let's just give uh, Edgar Wright or Ricky Gervais mm-hmm. or Monty Python. Let's just like <laughs> let's just have fun with it. I mean. 
I'm I'm fine with Doctor Who not being an epic, important saga about prophecies for an hour. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so yeah, that's that's probably my favorite episode of the season. I'll be honest of of series five. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Uh, so Lodger, the Lodger is the next one. This is a close second for me for for uh, best of the season. Um, this is from Gareth Roberts. This is the episode uh, where uh, the Doctor just becomes somebody's roommate for a while, um, and it's it's so good. Uh, it's so much fun to watch. Like this is one that I could just watch anytime. Like I could literally just put it on and watch it right now. Um, it's just so much fun, and it's. Uh, it has like a really, um, a really great like emotional uh, punch at the end um, with him and the the girl that he likes and all of that. Like I just I love Craig. I wish Craig had become like a full time companion uh, down the road because I really really love him and uh, I think it's a I think it's a really really great episode. Uh, Cassandra. Yeah. No. Pretty much what you said. Like I I love the, it's so much fun and it it is. It's, it's like the calm before the storm, you know. Like it's that episode right before the finale, so it can't be too big. So let's just have fun with it, and they—that's pretty much what they did. And I love Craig. I want him to come back so bad, but I don't really like. And I'm glad that he did in series six. And I, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But like, yeah, I, I really like the laundry. It's a lot of fun. Nick, uh, this is the episode I always show people. Uh, when they want to get into Doctor Who, mm. this is um, it's just it's. I think it's the perfect introductory episode um, because you kind of it, it's not too like spacey, but it's it, it's weird and it does go to that crazy Doctor Who place. But really, it, more than anything, it's about character and it's just so funny and so sweet. And yeah, no, I anytime they announce a new companion and it's not James Corden, I just I'm like, okay, well, I mean, it's not James Corden, but. <laughs> Well, he's uh, he's taking over the Late Late Show now, so yeah, is he really? Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. Wow, for uh, Craig Ferguson, um, he's he's taking the show over. Interesting. Well, good for him. <clears throat> yeah, but we'll probably never see him on Doctor Who again. I oh yeah, <laughs> uh, or in like more than one movie. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So then, that brings us to the finale of series five, with the Pandora opens and the Big Bang. Uh, this is a story that I think um, that I really like, and I especially I especially like uh, the end of the Big Bang from like an emotional standpoint. Like the last twenty minutes or so are really solid from like an emotional character kind of perspective. But I do think that the beginning of the Big Bang is really messy, and I don't think it entirely works. I think the Pandorica opens, like, works like gangbusters. I think it it holds up. It's a really great episode. Um, But I do think the Big Bang is the beginning of uh, the Stephen Moffat plot problems um, that we'll be getting a lot more of as the show progresses. Uh, And I, I think it was sort of a hint of things to come. Um, but I think overall, I think it's, it's solid. I just don't think it's as great as I remember it. Um, but I love, I love the Pandorica opens and the Pandorica opens has one of the best cliffhangers. I think maybe in Doctor Who history, I think it's a phenomenal cliffhanger. Um, what do you think, Cassandra? Um, Pandorica and Big Bang actually made my top ten, which I was very surprised by, hmm. uh, because they they both really hold up. Um, 
and I I was excited while watching them, like maybe it'd been too long or whatever, but I I don't know, it was just fun and it was it was big and it was blockbustery, but I didn't mind because um, it actually works. And I I can see what you mean by like Big Bang having those plot issues, but like I was um, talking on Twitter to uh, my cousin's girlfriend because she hasn't seen any of the Matt Smith era, and I was like live tweeting it on my Twitter because whatever. Um, and the way I explained Series Five to her is like it's. It's, it's interesting because it is Moffat's first season as showrunner, but I think it's his best. And it's like, it's that sweet spot right before things get really, really problematic. And, but it's still like really, really good. Like he's honed his craft and he knows what he's doing. Um, and it really like, it really shows in Pandora and Big Bang. And I, I, it was so much fun. I love those episodes. Nick? Yeah, um, I think this is just you know when you, when you when you watch a show every once in a while there there are episodes where you're just seeing everyone and everybody involved at the height of their power, just just confident and just cocky and but it, but in a good way because like they know what they've got and I don't know it's almost kind of bittersweet watching these two episodes because it kind of never really got this perfect again in my opinion um just it's so exciting and so smart and funny and yeah it is it is a blockbuster but it's a blockbuster in the way that you kind of want it to be yeah where it's everything coming to a head and it's satisfying in a way that series six and series seven just never really hit again in terms of just just multi-arc storytelling and yeah and i it's i i you know they're, they're showing all these weird episodes of doctor who on the big screen and I don't get why they're not showing these two, because hmm. I would I, I would pay to see this like at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and that brings us to our first Christmas special uh, with the Christmas Carol, uh, which, for my money, is uh, the best Christmas special probably. Um, it's a great use of uh, a Christmas Carol, the story, um, and the idea of like the three different ghosts. Uh, and and how uh, Moffat chooses to represent them, and and how he uses them to tell the story, um, I think is uh, really clever and really great, and uh, definitely the most Christmassy that uh, a Christmas special ever gets. Um, this is this is the end all be all of Christmas specials, uh, Doctor Who Christmas specials for me. What do you guys think, Cassandra? Oh, I definitely agree. Um, Christmas Carol is my favorite, and. Uh, it's it's amazing to me looking back um, because like Stephen Moffat in, in Christmas Carol and like Beast Below and Pandorica and Big Bang but he you can, you can still like see like his heart like it still has a lot of heart instead of just explosions and plot points um and like this is the Stephen Moffat that I miss, and this is like, I mean, yeah. There's if you want to get you know nitty gritty about it, it's his you know some of his ideas are problematic and whatever, but like Christmas Carol is so good to me for so many reasons, and 
I don't know. It just holds up. It holds up so well. Nick? Um, yeah, I like totally agreeing with uh, with Cassandra. I think, you know, um, Pandorica and Big Bang leading in a Christmas Carol and then coming out of um, Impossible Ashton, Day of the Moon. I think that is like, that's like the Doctor Who equivalent of like season four of The Simpsons. <laughs> where it's just like, it was everyone's favorite show and it was like just insane and everyone loved it and it was it was my that was, this, this was this was the period where it was my favorite show on television. Yeah, definitely, and absolutely. I and I just I love Christmas Carol so much. It's heartwarming and it's heartwarming, uh, heartwarming and heartbreaking. And this the actors are so great and it has that really fun little throwaway joke where like Doctor the Doctor might have been married to Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> and yeah, Matt Smith is just just playing the material like an instrument. Ah man, I, yeah, I really love this episode. Yeah. Um, it's that it's. I think it's that magic combination of uh, Moffat and Haynes, um, Stephen Moffat and Toby Haynes, uh, the director. Yeah. Like they, <clears throat> they did uh, the Pandorica two parter together. They did Christmas Carol together, and and then they did Impossible Astronaut Day of the Moon together. Um, and then Toby Haynes uh, disappeared off the face of the planet. Uh, <laughs> Sad day. He never came back to Doctor Who after that. Um, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, because uh, uh, Impossible Astronaut Day of the Moon, for my money, is Stephen Moffat at the height of his power. Um, this is, I think, his best episodes as showrunner. Um, I, I think he's uh, just un- these these episodes are unbelievable. Um, from just like not just a plot standpoint, but um, from character standpoint and everything like he even I, I feel that he even redeems uh, River Song from um, what he does what what I, I felt like he sort of like started to lose her with the, the angel two-parter and I didn't think she was much better in the finale of series five but here I thought she was sort of back on track um, and then of course we we lose her again very quickly um, and 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 much farther she just jumps off a cliff um literally hey look at that uh, and uh yeah so I, I i think that this two-parter is uh incredible i think it's smart i think it's everything i wanted from this show and the promise of moffat as um head writer um and i think that it all comes together in in a really really great way and by the end of day of the moon and the cliffhanger of day of the moon with the little girl that regenerates um, I was just over the moon with this show. Like I've never been filled with like that much nerd joy ever, uh, <laughs> like ever, uh, than watching that ending for the very first time. Um, uh, what about you, Cassandra? Um, I'm going to be the voice of dissension right now um, because the first time was like you were saying, it was incredible. Like watching it with everyone and experiencing it, like in real uh, quote real time, um, was like one of the best Doctor Who related experiences. But hindsight, for me at least, is like twenty twenty, and Impossible Astronaut did not hold up for me. Um, I just maybe I'm I'm definitely still bitter about the river thing, and maybe that was 
like clouding my rewatch of this, but I didn't enjoy it as much, and it like kind of broke my heart because I remembered like loving it, and I was super excited to watch it again, and um, it's beautiful, like like the cinematography and everything, but it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean the thing the thing I have to remind myself of every time I watch it is like not to think about where all of the plot threads that start up in yeah. those two episodes where they go like I just try and ignore that and just sort of take it on its own um, that's the only way that I'm I would be able to enjoy it because I think you're right if you think about like where it ends up with uh, with with the two-parter in the middle and then and then the wedding reverse song I mean retrospect and and hindsight it's like yeah. a disaster um, but I don't think that it hurts the episodes themselves. I think the episodes themselves are really, really, really good. It's just unfortunate what was set up um, in that does not pay off the way that is promised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like Day of the Moon more than Impossible Astronaut on this go around, actually. I thought that, like, because the, the scene with Amy in the house is, like, genuinely terrifying. Mm-hmm. And it still holds up, mm-hmm. um, despite, you know, Moffat Syndrome bringing his stuff back. But I'll let Nick talk, because I keep talking a lot. Yeah, Nick. <laughs> oh, man. Do you guys remember, like, the, the 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 weekend that this came out? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, my. It was just, it, yeah, yeah, again, like, if this is The Simpsons, this, uh, you know, the impossible astronaut is when you got to find out who shot Mr. Burns. Yeah. <laughs> just, Absolutely. It, it was just everyone had to like sit down and like watch this and watching it again like yeah I'll totally agree with Cassandra that there are stuff that is in retrospect kind of clunky and not so perfect but it's just impossible for it not to feel like an event oh yeah like it's like ah it's so good and yeah like he he throws a million plates in the air and yeah you know that he drops almost every single one of them <laughs> in Winning of River Song but it doesn't make the fact that he's throwing them any you know what I mean you're like ah you really not you you really you really aim for the stars with the you know no pun intended but uh yeah i will say the one thing that that i don't think has ever worked with the with that two-parter is uh the cliffhanger on impossible astronaut is garbage um yeah what the yeah yeah it's a terrible cliffhanger it's almost like an afterthought it's the weirdest thing um (laughs) it's a really bad cliffhanger for those of you don't remember it's the one where uh the little girl in the astronaut suit like shows up and then in slow motion, uh, Amy shoots her, um, and then and then we just never deal. And then with we it. never deal with it. <laughs> exactly, um, really poorly done. Uh, poorly done. Speaking of poorly done, uh, the Curse of the Black Spot, um, <laughs> which is our first uh, first Doctor Who episode written by Stephen Thompson of Sherlock fame. Uh, this is the uh, the the promise of pirates and doctor who and uh an evil black spot and people dying and a spirit lady um and uh and it all is not very good uh this was like uh, after the coming off of the high of uh day of the moon and then getting this and just being like what (laughs) what happened um it's uh it's not very good. And I mean, it certainly has its moments, um, but the promise of, of Doctor Who and pirates is just not fulfilled with this at all. Um, Cassandra? 
Uh, I like it more than Daleks. Uh, but more than that's more than more than Victory of the Daleks. Oh, really? Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, well, that's a that's a recent thing. Like this this time, oh. it actually surprised me quite a bit because I I liked it's it's fun. It's uh, we'll talk about dinosaurs on a spaceship soon, but it's it's that episode. Like it it's a it's a thing that happens, but you can tell that people are having fun with it. So by proxy, I'm having fun with it. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not great, but it's not like terrible. But eh. Nick pirates. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I, I like to call this episode The Hangover because it's just, you know, you've been riding on this high for like five episodes in a row and then you just wake up and you have a headache and like your stomach's on fire and just all the characters are weird and Amy Amy thinks the doctor is dumb for some reason in this episode. Uh, it's just, I don't, it, none of the, it's just everything's wrong. Just the timing's off and like none of the jokes are hitting and I... I don't know. Actually, I think this might be my least favorite episode of the Matt Smith era. Wow. wow. It's, it, it's just so not anything. Like, at least... at le- Okay, at least Wedding of River Song is, like, entertainingly weird and bad, where you're like, I can't believe I'm watching this. With Curse of the Black Spot, it's just like, I don't... This is boring. Yeah. I don't want to be watching this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, and that brings us to uh, the doctor's wife, which is just—it's so just weird. the most like, like mood swing. I mean, like the beginning of this season has—I uh, mean, it's just—it's just so manic depressive. Um, it's just, oh my god, uh, the doctor's wife, which for my money is um, again top three, uh, and. I think the best of season six. Um, the only thing that comes close is the girl who waited, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but I think that this is, this is kind of a masterpiece and a, a love letter to all of Dr. Who and Dr. Who fans. Um, you know, this is Neil Gaiman, obviously writing the episode that he's waited his entire life to write. Um, you know, if you, I'm only going to get one chance to write Doctor Who, what is that story going to be? And it's this one. Um, and it's, uh, I, I think it's it's over the moon fantastic. Um, I, I love The Doctor's Wife. Uh, Cassandra? Uh, Doctor's Wife is definitely top three for me as well. And while Vincent and the Doctor is a love letter to artists, The Doctor's Wife is a love letter to Doctor Who. And Really, that's all. That's all I. That yeah. That's everything I need because it's, especially after watching like all of classic Who, like watching this for the first time, I was a mess. I was just like, oh god, I love the Doctor's Wife, and I hope that Neil Gaiman becomes like the Stephen Moffat of the Russell T Davies era, where he just shows up for like you know every now and again. Yeah, an episode here, an episode there, um, and. Yeah, I want Neil Gaiman to come back so bad because Doctor's Wife is wonderful. Yeah, he's unfortunately absent from from series eight, um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully he comes back again soon. Hmm. Yeah, but he was he was unfortunately present in series seven. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nick, what are your thoughts on uh, Doctor's Wife? 
Oh no, yeah, this is this is a masterpiece of just fiction in general. Um, yeah, I, I freaking love this episode, and it's you know it's I uh, Scott who who directed this one? Uh, this is Richard Clark who went on to direct Night Terrors. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I you know what I think it's the 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 Stephen Moffat like the the storybook style is never better complimented than when the director is directing like it's a fairy tale. Yeah. And I think I think that's why the Toby Haynes episodes work so well, especially Christmas Carol, is because you feel like you're being told a bedtime story. Yeah. Everything is just in this episode including the doctor's wife, everything is so lush and old and strange and frightening but in a in a safe frightening in a safe way where you're just like, "Oh, this, and oh my god," and just the little moments of just ah, oh, this episode where it's just like, are it, are all humans like this? What so much bigger on the inside? And you're just like, are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> that's, that's insane that no one's that's never been a line on the show before. But of course, because it's genius, because it's so obvious. And you know, the actress that plays Idris is just one of the all time great parts about this show. And I almost never want to see her again because it would just cheapen how special this episode is. Um, Michael Sheen is really good and unrecognizable um, as the big scary voice. I know he has a name, but uh, I House. the big scary voice House. Yeah, yeah his name's House. Okay, the pl- yeah the oh. asteroid they call it House. <laughs> okay, sweet. Yeah, no, this is just everything you've heard about this episode is true. I don't think it's overhyped at all. Nope, I don't um, think it's possible. Yeah, to. All- all-time high. Um, which brings us to uh, the maybe the all-time uh, mediocre uh, two episodes, um, <laughs> the Rebel Flesh and the Almost People, uh, which is the uh, the the Gunky People clone people, <laughs> the Gunky clone people. Um, oh, the season's so yeah, weird. Yeah, the this is the this is the two-parter. Like the only thing that this 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 two-parter really is, is super boring, and it's all about like paranoia it's a little it's a little thing ish um as in like john Mm -hmm. carpenter's the thing uh you know a bunch of a bunch of uh blue collar workers like out in the middle of nowhere um dealing with uh imposters um and so like it's amazing that as interesting of a concept as that is, uh, it's just wasted here and it's super boring. Uh, Matthew Graham does very little with this concept um, in these two two episodes. Two episodes. Um, and uh, the only thing I feel that this has going for it is, is uh, two things. One, it gives us uh, Matt Smith working off of himself. Um, so you get... You get goopy Matt Smith and regular Matt Smith, so that's a lot of fun. Um, and then it also, I will say, I think that it sets up a uh, fake baby thing all and fake Amy and all of that. I think it sets all of that up really, really well. Um, you know, w- whether or not that the payoff of that is good or not is arguable um but i think that setting that up here with this this story and then like having that pay off at the end of almost people i think is i thought it was a really 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 well structured in that way um but otherwise it's 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 uh, it's a really forgettable two episodes and it's two episodes i think this but the combination of this and um 
the Silurian two-parter of last season, I think is the reason why Moffat was just like, no more two-parters for a while. Um, is because uh, people complained about these two, those two stories being really boring. Um, Cassandra, what do you think of this? Um, I, I, I will, I would put it with the Silurian two-parter. Um, in that I was also surprised by how much I didn't mind it this time around. Hmm. Um, it's why are why are the women always the bad guys? I don't understand. Like with the Solarian two parter too. Like everyone is so bloodthirsty, and it's it's not dudes, and it's weird. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, Moffat. Um, but he probably thinks he's doing uh, good too. I know, because he's probably like, thinking oh. like, "Oh, I, I, this is this is the most interesting role. I'll give it to a woman because feminism." That's probably what he's thinking. But it's <sighs> but he's fires so bad. He's so bad at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I could see that, like on paper, him thinking that you know, yeah, yeah. and just being like, yeah. somebody needs to sit by him and just be like, "Listen, Stephen." Oh, Steve, Stephen, no. <laughs> no. Um, but no, it's I didn't mind him this time around, like. Like you, were, the concept is so interesting, mm-hmm. but it really, really, really falls flat in the execution. And the best part is Matt Smith. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nick. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't rewatch these two. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, like, I, I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I do remember. However, uh, this really fun scene where, like, the doc where Matt Smith is kind of like channeling all the other doctors. And that was like a fun little oh, moment. Yeah, that was a good uh, one. I forgot about that. Yeah, he asks Amy if she would like a jelly baby. Yeah. And um, there's this really cheeky bit where he starts to do David Tennant, and then he says like, "No, we moved on. Stop." <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I don't I don't mind this episode. It I, again, yeah, the, the fact that they stretch it out into two parts is a little bit unbearable. Um. But yeah, I, I it's just it's one of those who episodes. Have you ever noticed Doctor Who does a lot of like slowly picking off one episode characters one by one things, mm. where it's like they're in a confined space and there's a team and there's a creature and then they're just slowly getting killed off or like turned into something else one by one. Base under siege, so, right? Alien. <laughs> yeah, alien. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the angel the angel thing. Yeah, the angel, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. A lot uh, of two parts like one. That. A lot of two-parters. Yeah, or you, yeah. yeah, and there's a, there's oh. always one leader that the doctor like I respect you, and he's always like the last to die, <laughs> or maybe sometimes he doesn't die. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I I I don't remember being offended by this episode the way like Curse of the Black Spot was. <laughs> I, I I just remember being like, oh, this is Doctor Who. This is an episode of Doctor Who I'm watching. It wasn't like yeah. Doctor's Wife. From just like God. But I do remember thinking, really, two episodes. Really? I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. The best part about Doctor Who is at the end, you get something completely new next right. week. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, but that's come back but that's, next uh, Saturday. That's what Moffat, you know, decided, and then, and then I think that um, series seven suffered because of that because there were episodes where you were like, this should have been two part, two parts. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a well, it's a mixed bag. It's just like you gotta. I think what he was doing that was the big mistake was making um, the cheap episodes the two-parters. 
because because it's it's a great <laughs> to save money. it's a great yeah. way to save money. Like what a great way to save money. Like it's kind of ingenious when you think of it from a financial standpoint. It's like mm-hmm. pick the cheapest episode of the season and make that the two parter. Wow, what what a great idea to save money. But it I think it hurts it hurts the show. Like whereas you know Russell D Davies always went out of his way to make. Um, the mo- the the episodes that were too parish were like the most Im- ep- important episodes of the season. So sure, yeah, and you know you can't say that the do- you, you know you can't say that the show is stingy when we just got Dave the Moon, Impossible Astronaut, and the Doctor's Wife, right? Like just like the most visually beautiful, ep- even a good man goes to war looks gorgeous. Yeah. So you can't really complain too much when you get you know glorified bottle episodes like right. these. Well, speaking speaking know. of a good man goes to war. Um, oh, was that yeah. next? And and oh, let's okay. kill Hitler. Uh, yeah. The the two parter, <laughs> the, the semi two parter, I guess we'll call it a semi two parter. Um, okay, so what was it? It was it was it was good man goes to war. Then we took a break, and then let's kill Hitler. Right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, it was cool. like it was like sure. uh, two three months three three ish months. Um, right uh, between the two. Uh, I think it was like 12 weeks is what it was. Um, so, okay. So Good Man Goes to War is the one where it was like this big cliffhanger. And I remember Moffat just being like, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a cracker. Oh. There's a cracker of a cliffhanger. He loves that word cracker. Oh, wait till you see the ending to this yeah. one. You're going to be so excited. Yeah, no one's going to see it coming. <laughs> um, You're going to love it. It's such a great twist. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, and it was uh, it was like, oh, yeah, we all knew that, Moffat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is that, was that yeah, it? Like, and I remember, I remember uh, Randy, my first co-host, called uh, the fact that um, River was Amy's daughter in... Uh, the very first episode in the eleventh hour, and his reasoning for it was literally they both of their both of their names ha- are bodies of water, and I was like, and that was the twist. I was like, I was that like was oh, why it was. And a- I remember even having the conversation where I was like, that's that's the dumbest reasoning for why <laughs> oh they would be God. related. Like I was just like calling them out, like in the episode, I was like, that's the stupidest reasoning for <laughs> that to be the case. I'm like, there's no way like Moffat is so much smarter than that. Well, it turns out I was wrong. Um, oh my goodness. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we get the reveal that, uh, that, that harmony, is it harmony? Melody. Melody. Okay. I Melody. Song, something. Uh, Melody Pond is River Song because prophecy, prophecy, Stoop. something, something. Reasons. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's like, here's the thing. Okay, that's it's it's a dumb reveal. Does the reveal work? Mostly, like I can't say that it doesn't work. It's just that it's not what I wanted, which is is a me problem more than a Moffat problem. Um, so I think like. Overall, I don't think there's anything offensive about a good man goes to war. It's when you get to let's kill Hitler that the problems happen. Um, I think a good man goes to war is a disappointing episode. And I remember being like really let down and disappointed by the ending. Um, But I think let's kill Hitler is the much more offensive of the two. Um, I don't know. What what do you what do you think, Cassandra? You just rewatch these. Oh, Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, no, I would agree with that. Good Man Goes to War is 
disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then with Let's Kill Hitler, I'm just mad. Yeah. I'm like straight up angry. And um, I don't I don't understand, because I remember the reaction like online, like on Tumblr and stuff. Like I was like, oh my God, she's Amy's daughter. And I'm like, yeah, but everyone saw that coming a mile away, like to the point where I was like, please let that not be true. Like mm-hmm. That's exactly how I was, felt. It was so absurd, like, and rewatching it, it's, it's, it's like reading terrible fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like, you didn't even try. Like, uh, yeah. that, uh, There are little bits about the, about River's story that I, I like a lot. Um, I like that, I like the backwards way that River was raised by Amy and Rory. Um, like, I think that that's really, like, fun and kind of cute. Um, but my, I think my biggest problem is that they, it's like, God, you have this, this really great character in River. And now you're saying that she's like half Time Lord or something for Time Vortex. It's dumb. It's, I, I don't, I, there, nothing about that makes sense as to why she has like regenerative, pro, like things. Cause I thought, yeah. like, not even, uh, not even, uh, Gallifreyans have that. They have to be given it by the Time Lords. Like they have to be endowed with the regeneration cycle. I thought. I don't think they're like born with it, right? Isn't that right? Um, I, I believe so because yeah, no, not all Gallifreyans are time lords, right? And only time uh, lords have the regenerated re- regeneration yeah. process. And they kind of, because he kind of touches on that, like, oh yeah, she got exposed to the time vortex. By traveling through the TARDIS, but but is that what happens to the Time Lords? Is that why they have? I honestly don't see. Know. It's a little too wishy washy for me. I think. Yeah. Um. But okay. But you know, sweep that under the rug. Fine. You know, I can roll with it. You have this great character, a great female Time Lord, right? And what do you do? Like you already gave us her ending, which was a beautiful, poignant, amazing ending to a character. Yes. And then you rush to meet that. And I just look at it and I'm just like, why, why do we need to know every little bit of her history? Because now we know that she had uh, three regenerations, right? She had she had Melody Pond. Then she had what was the what was the other girl? The one that she uh, Mel's Mel's. Right. So you had Melody Pond then you had Mel's and then you had River. And it's like. Okay, so she had she had three people, and that's that's it. Like, why would you close the gap? Like, why wouldn't you keep it yeah. open and mysterious so that you can have River Song continue to be a character forever? Um, you know, or at least at least so that she could have thirteen of herself. Like, what? I don't. I, yeah, it's, it's dumb. I let's kill Hitler is stupid. Um, I don't know, Nick. What do you think? <laughs> I think that. Um... The the one two punch of uh, of Good Man Goes to War and Let's Kill Hitler, because I mean Moffat did write Let's Kill Hitler, right? I'm, I'm not mistaken in that. Yeah, he did. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think this is kind of one, at least for me. And then I would find out a lot of the other members of the show fan fandom uh, kind of saw the cracks in the armor. Like you know, we were watching. A good man goes to war and be like, I don't know. I think this is a load of barnacles. Like, why isn't this awesome anymore? What's happening? And yeah, it, it, it's fun. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like some of the action movie stuff, kind of does 
get me interested, you know, just because I'm a sucker for big space opera stuff, even if it's empty. Sometimes it's like, this is fun. And, you know, Matt Smith is elevating the material, as always, um, where you almost kind of believe that it's, like, not poorly written. Um, and, yeah, the reveal the reveal sucks. And also, this is the introduction to the Why Are We Here Brigade. Uh, like, his, his little, his, like, his... Um, <laughs> the wire oh, right. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, are you talking about like the robot with the little people? And then I remembered the Solarian. Right. Yeah, the Sol- it's like, the Solarian, yeah. the Santarin, <laughs> and the the the, the, the lady. Yeah. Um yeah. why are we here, Brigade? I like that. That's funny. <laughs> or it's like you know how like Jabberjaw and, and like and like the speed buggy and Captain Caveman always had like the five teenagers that would always help him out? Yeah. It's like those are that those are what that is for the doctor, and <laughs> I can't so remember. <laughs> and I can't remember their names because they're not they're not memorable characters. Uh, at least when it's um, when you look at like Captain, it's it's Madame Vastra. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. no go, go ahead. ahead. I, 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 uh, oh, it's Madame Vastra, Jenny, and Strax. Okay, I know this because I just watched it. Anyway, continue. No, yeah. Continue. And then it's kind of like when you look at remember freaking Journey's End. Where like it's like mm-hmm. boom, Cap- Captain Jack, Rose, and like Mickey, and just everyone, and you're like, I love these guys. They're all so fun and different, and watching them bounce off each other, and like you get the sense that maybe Moffat was maybe trying to do that, maybe not right in this episode, but the more he brings in the Why Are We Here Brigade, it is kind of becomes like I think you're trying to do this, and they just they never work. Anyway, we'll we'll get to them as it goes on. And are we, are we also talking about Let's Kill Hitler? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, some of the funnier screwball moments made me, like, smile and, like, you yeah, know, that was, that was kind of funny. But then, like, from a plot standpoint, it is, like, deeply broken. And if this is, this is kind of the episode where I, I officially lost interest in River Song, where I was like, I, I don't like that that, I don't like that this is what she's always been about. I think it's, I think it's incredibly... I think it's an incredible betrayal to how interesting and complex and uh, cool, not cool, but not cool in like, eh, yeah, but cool, like, oh, this is really interesting. If you look at the way River Song was in like Silence of the Library and Forest of the Dead, and then you want to know what her story is, and then to find, to lay bare what she was about, it's 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 almost kind of insulting. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, oh, well, she... It- and also just like just to bridge the gap like it's it's one thing to say like this is her origin story but it's another to be like this is her entire story there yeah. there there are no loose ends to tie up sorry everybody if you wanted other rivers like that's your problem not mine i created the character i don't care foot is down like that's the overwhelming feeling I get when watching Let's Kill Hitler as far as, like, Moffat's opinion of that character. It's just, like, it's mine, and this is her story, and I'm not going to let anyone else touch her ever again. It, it's kind of like, it, it, yeah, it ends as it begins. It's kind of like when you're watching Amazing Spider-Man 2, and you're like, oh, Harry Osborn, this will be, wait, whoa, he's already the, okay, or, or we can do it in 45 <laughs> minutes, sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to Night Terrors. Uh, the uh, this is the next episode written by Mark Gatiss. Um, 
who uh, who, who gave us uh, Victory of the Daleks and gives us uh, yet another um, kind of bland episode with like it's unfortunate because I, I love the idea of like the dollhouse people like I think that's kind of cool and and creepy but I, I feel like the episode thinks it's creepy more than it actually is um it, it just I get the overwhelming feeling of of Mark Gatiss trying too hard um but still not wanting to try and knock it out of the park. He still bunts the ball. He just bunts it a little <laughs> harder than usual. Um, but uh, Night Terrors, it has its moments. But I don't, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's great. What do you guys think, Cassandra? I legitimately don't care about this episode at all. Mm. Um, I like, I agree with, with you about like the creepy thing, like. In concept, it's really scary, especially because, like, I hate dolls, but, like, it's not even, it's not even scary. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, that's weird. Um, and, like, with man, Good Man Goes to War, I'm disappointed. Let's Kill Hitler, I'm just, like, actively angry. This one, I'm just, like, so apathetic. I, it's, it's a really weird mix of emotions. Like, I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. It, it's a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, Nick? <laughs> yeah, you know, if Mark Gatiss doesn't care, why should we? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't, um, like, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah All so, right. <laughs> I will say... I will say some of the direction was really effective and spooky. Hmm. Like, I, I think it was... An, I think, I think uh, the, the director kind of made the elevated the material in a way uh he elevated visually but visually yeah, yeah totally yeah where it's yeah. like oh that was fun um so that brings us to the girl who waited from uh, tom mcgray directed by nick Huron, who uh who kind of becomes an important director um for the moffat era yeah um but uh yeah the girl who waited uh again this is um this is another uh this is another like top five top maybe top three for me uh this is kind of um kind of beautiful episode and it's uh it, it's also just like i don't know it's kind of sexy looking like i just like the way that it looks it reminds me of uh portal um that game franchise yeah uh, just the way that it's cl- super clean but then you get to look behind the scenes of the clean thing and then it's it's like you just get to see how everything works like behind the scenes um mm-hmm. and uh that's uh you can tell that this episode is definitely inspired by portal um in a big way like the design of it and everything is really great and then the concept is just awesome like i love i love the uh just like the the reversal of you know the boy who waited and now the girl who waited and i and i love that you know she she is the girl who waited for uh, the doctor and and so now we like show her like waiting a really long time and it's a phenomenal performance from her um i i think that's that's really great and it has a really dark kind of twisted ended ending that i'm really impressed with every time i watch it um it's it's very uh mature and it's it's this episode and the next one are both like very mature themed episodes that um i was really impressed with uh but i think this one this one just really knocks out of the park what do you think cassandra 
this one actually fell really flat for me this time, hmm. um, which I was very surprised by. Not in the way that Impossible Astronaut fell flat, because that was just like me being bitter about everything that we've talked about so far. Um, but I don't know. I would agree that this is Karen Gillan's best episode, like easily, like from an acting standpoint, this is her best episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I love the way that this episode looks, like you were saying. I love the shot where she goes into the garden and it's all like Alice in Wonderlandy, and it's that that's that's one of my favorite shots from this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like the concept of being on two different time streams and like it is very dark, which I appreciate. Also, I don't know, I just kind of because I remember really really loving this episode in like the aftermath of the the river song two-parter like this episode stands out but on this i don't know for some reason on this rewatch it just didn't capture me like it did um and i'm not entirely sure why that is but hmm. nick yeah yeah I'm, I'm kind of in the middle um where it's definitely a big improvement over the last couple episodes in this run and then you know like you know all hail karen gillen a thousand years of karen gillen like hats off uh <laughs> Yeah, and like hats off to the freaking like makeup artists that design like older Amy because it's so subtle and like oh sad. definitely yeah and I I really appreciate that this is the episode that really takes the relationship between her and Roy seriously um, and not in like in a big like I waited a thousand years for you blah, 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 but like in kind of a very no like we this is this is a very incredibly strong intimate relationship and we're gonna test it to its breaking point and see if it survives and you know because it it can get a little bit like screwball comedy and i love screwball comedy but it was it was refreshing to see the show take this partnership seriously and uh and are are we we spoiling are, are we doing spoilers yeah of course i i think it's incredibly ballsy that this kills off the amy pond that we've known up to this point oh yeah she's that that's just how she dies and yeah, I mean, it, essentially, it's the same character, but also the Amy we carry on the show with is not the Amy that we met uh, at the eleventh hour. And yeah, I think that's not technically, and I think that's incredibly daring. Yeah, absolutely. Espe- especially with a, such a beloved character. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really solid episode. Um, so uh, so the God Complex, also directed by Nick Heron, uh, but written by Toby Whithouse. Um, uh, again, I can't say enough great things about Toby Whithouse. Um, you know, he, every time he's, uh, he, he's up to bat, like he doesn't, he doesn't knock it out of the park or anything, but like he does, he does a triple like regularly. <laughs> um, and I, and I find that really impressive. Um, and, uh, I, uh, I love this episode and I, I love that it's a creepy hotel. Like I'm a sucker for a creepy hotel. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I love creepy hotels. Like, I think that's, they're, they're awesome. They're so good. Um, and, uh, I love that. And I love the, I love the, the, the monster in this. And <clears throat> I love how weird this story is. Um, and I really like, uh, it, it's really unfortunate that we say goodbye to the ponds in this and then undo that almost immediately. Uh, um, not quite immediately, yeah. but, but almost immediately. Um, so it's, it, cause it's a great send off and then we're stuck with them for another seven episodes, <laughs> um, or six, six episodes. Um, and it really just kind of like, uh, 
I, I remember watching this episode and just being like, whoa, really? Like, they're gone? Holy crap. Like, I was just kind of <laughs> shocked that they did that. Um, and then, uh, and then they, and then it turned out that they didn't do that. Um, but, uh, I, as, as an episode on its own, like, I think it's a really, really, really solid episode. Um, and I love Toby Woodhouse and I want him to do all of the things. Uh, Cassandra. God complex is in my top 10 Nice for this era. Um, like solidly. Oh yeah. Um, this one definitely, definitely held up. Um, and I remember, uh, the, I think it was like the interim between the, uh, like the interim in series six, like we'd seen good man goes to war and we were waiting for the rest of it. Um, we were at Comic-Con and we got into the Doctor Who panel and they screened some of this, like they screened a clip um, and it was only a couple minutes, but oh my goodness. And I was like peeing myself. I was so excited and it was so spooky and I wanted to see the rest of it. And like, it definitely like exceeded my expectations. And again, on the rewatch, it really does. And Toby Whithouse is just consistently not even consistent, but like consistently good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really, really hope that he gets a chance to, um, kind of tell his like. I want to see his direction of the show. Like we've seen, we've seen Moffat's vision. I want to see Toby Whithouse's vision. And if like this kind of echoes that, like I'm so interested. Like I'm so down. Absolutely, Nick. Yeah, I, I, I love this episode. It's. It's yeah, I I love the way Toby Woodhouse wrote for Matt Smith. And I love the way Matt Smith read Toby Woodhouse. Just the two complement each other so well. It's this is such a funny episode. Um such great one line I mean like Matt Smith's delivery of like, oh big day for fans of doors uh or windows. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and like I it's so great and spooky and I, I actually this is another episode where like we meet all these characters and like they slowly kind of get picked off one by one but I love every single one of these characters they're so interesting and specific and nuanced mm-hmm. and yeah and I really it's a bummer that the show kind of like chickened out on dropping the mic on the ponds and who knows if that was always the plan or if they were like well the ponds are selling a lot of clothes so <laughs> yeah <laughs> we should keep them on um also like I'm interested to see now that the the Matt Smith era is kind of ran how the what was in the doctor's room mystery kind of ages. Do you guys have any speculation on that now that the book is kind of closed on on the Matt Smith era? Um I think I I I I uh I don't I don't know. I I feel like I heard somewhere what was in the room. Uh Oh, we see what's in the room. We do? In the episode? Yeah, in um Time of the Doctor. Oh, like so it was it was it was John Hurt? No, uh in in the Christmas special, the time of the Doctor, oh. he yeah no it's um it's the crack. Oh, it was just the crack. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah I knew. I, I I remember them doing that at some point, like saying what was in the room or something. So, yeah, it was just the crack. Okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> well, whatever. It's super forgettable. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just rewatched that today. I don't even remember. Okay, fair enough. That's so funny. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, so 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 yeah, the crack was in the room. That's um, a bit of a letdown. 
Um, that wouldn't be right. his biggest fear. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so uh, closing time, uh, which is the sequel to The Lodger, um, is uh, not as good as The Lodger, but it's still it's fun. It's fun to be back with Craig um, and and seeing Craig's life sort of in a in a new step. Uh, but I do not like that his his wife is such a small part of it because they they were like kind of the reason that I love the lodger so much. Like I love I love you know don't get me wrong I love the doctor and Craig together, but I also really liked her, and so I was kind of bummed that it was a babysitting kind of situation. Um, it's very like it's very like sitcom-y kind of situation where it's like, the wife's out of town and I'm watching the baby. Uh-oh, shenanigans. Um, yeah. and it, <laughs> my old my old roommate because my old roommate's back in town. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a little like... Uh, it's, a, it's very sitcom-y in a way that I, I, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Um, so... Uh, crazy about it but I, I think it's I think it's fun and I and I like um, I like the idea of uh, Cybermen taking over department store that's fun um, but, uh, and and it gives this is the episode that gives us uh, <laughs> storm again which is just my favorite storm <laughs> storm again um, dark Lord like the of fact all. that like <laughs> that the doctor may or may not uh, speak baby he, he doesn't I'm sure he's just making it up but it makes me laugh <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's a fun episode, but it's, it's nowhere in, even in the same vicinity as, uh, the lodger and quality for me. Uh, what do you think, Cassandra? Um, it's funny you say that cause like, it's not as good as the lodger, but on my like list of episodes, it falls like right after the lodger, <laughs> um, for me, like, and I, I have, I have the feeling it's like directly because Craig comes back because I love Craig to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's, it's, it's a jaunt. Like, I like it. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I like, you know, Stormageddon and this baby that is like, has a superiority complex. And, um, <laughs> I, I like the idea of like, you know, Cybermen trying to take over. And I, I don't know. It's, it's nowhere near as good as the lodger, but I like it almost as much for sentimental reasons, which I guess is the whole point of the episode because it's all about like the overwhelming power of love and how Craig proves it proves himself, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Eh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really, I have a soft spot for this episode. Um, I agree. It's not quite as, as, uh, as sleek and like perfect as the lodger in terms of like narratively and thematically. But I mean, you know, the doctor working in a department store is just delightful. And again, just Matt Smith, just (laughs) you, you, if you just, you can pass him anything and he'll, he'll dunk it, you know? And I love the rapport that he and, um, and James Corden have. Uh, it's a shame that we're unlikely to see, see Craig again after this episode. And I'm, I'm kind of a fan of, the juxtaposition of it being an, a, a jaunt, but then also the melancholy of the Doctor knowing that, uh, from his perspective, this is kind of his last blast. And it's it's it, 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 I really enjoy the kind of dual tones that the episode kind of plays with. And I'm 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 not a big fan of the Cybermen, so every time the Cyber the Cybermen come up, it's like okay, well I'm not going to love this, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um. So yeah, you know. 
Uh, knowing what's to come after this episode kind of makes uh, it all the more sweeter. Um, and I guess now there's nothing else to do but talk about um, talk about the big. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. The, so the, the wedding of River Song. <laughs> Um, which, uh, I mean, I don't really have anything more to say about this than the fact that I, I personally consider it the worst episode of Doctor Who, um, period, end of statement. Like, it is the, yeah. it is, uh, atrocious. Um, Hello? it doesn't make any sense. Things happen for no reason. This feels like a sloppy first draft, not just a first draft, but a sloppy first draft that was somehow filmed um it's a mess it's a mess none of it makes any sense uh they wrap up the the stuff from uh the death of the doctor and impossible astronaut with the most nonsense body swap robot thing with that somehow has a regeneration light show something i (laughs) it's dumb it's stupid it's stupid and i still have no idea why the doctor married river i don't get it i don't what was the reason i don't understand there is no reason it's stupid it's a bad episode Mm. cassandra try to talk about it without cursing okay i will (laughs) try my best it's so insulting like so much more than let's kill hitler Mm -hmm. um it's and it's so offensive like not even like from a like oh i'm offended as a writer like this is crap no it's so offensive like oh it's it's so like i don't know like to answer your like to answer your like i don't even know why the doctor marries river it's pandering like to me like the doctor is like okay well clearly you know she's not gonna whatever let me die or let it alone unless i give her what she wants so this is what she wants and um the line that gets me every time is what am i doing and the doctor says as you're told and i'm just like whoa whoa like ah it's a ah it's a it's It's an unmitigated disaster like it's like the horrible like assassination of just like all of these characters and all of these concepts that we love and maybe i'm being over dramatic but it's just straight up terrible and i hate it yeah nick i talk about this episode a lot because um you never really forget when like you find out that like your parents are just people you know <laughs> or like you, you know like the first time you see like the phantom menace and your or spider-man 3 i think this is just the moment in doctor who fandom where it was like oh so this show can really really just bite it hard and have like almost no redeemable and you know it sucked because you know it, it was the finale and it's it, it's such an obnoxious episode because it it thinks it's so revelatory mm-hmm. and it's like it's big and it's wrapping up all of the like oh and aren't you excited oh we're finally wrapping it all up and river's song <laughs> and oh it's so oh i got you again didn't i and you're just like shut up i i, I don't know man it's just 
<laughs> Your Moffat voice is wonderful, by the way. <laughs> it's a little Indian. Just a little sure. Indian. <laughs> It's it's not the accent so much as it is the cadence. Oh it's got goodness. like an Indian cadence. <laughs> but not like real Indian, like a poo Indian. Sure. Like American born. Um it's, oh. But yeah, I, I don't like this episode at all. Um it doesn't make a lick of sense, but it's trying to tell us that it does. And mm-hmm. I just I I don't know what I've seen this episode like three times, and I I don't know what's happening. I don't know why River and Rory reset. I don't know why the Doctor grows a mullet. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know like that final scene with uh, Amy and Rory and and River in the backyard doesn't make a lick of sense to me. It makes even less sense now knowing what season seven is like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like the final revelation of. I'll admit, like, the you know, the, the first question of the universe, that is kind of, like, cheeky in a cool way, but it's just, it falls so flat for me. Mm-hmm. Basically, I don't, this, se- this episode almost nullifies, because like, we've been talking about season six, and what I'm getting is it's actually better than I, I like to joke about it being. Because we're always like, oh, season six is suck. But then, you know, we talk about it and we're like, oh, I actually liked a lot of these episodes. But then this episode happens and it almost kind of nullifies everything. Yeah. It, yeah. it nullifies the entire Moffat era almost. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of a cataclysm of an episode. It really is. It's just like a just a gaping black hole that you can't escape. Um that's what the episode should have been about instead. Sure. Like, just it would have been more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and like and we could totally get into the gender politics at work here and how kind of just kind of gross they are when you think about it. Mm. Uh I don't know, like just the idea of River Song just like marry me and you know, the doctor's big heroic moment is like, Okay, I'll let you marry me because I'm so effing cool and cute and bow tie fez and it's just like oh, is this what? And then I was like, look, all the stars are crying for you because you're so awesome. And he's like, I know I'm awesome, but what will my awesomeness cost the universe? And I'm just like, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> I don't, he's, he's the opposite of Spider-Man in this episode, the doctor. <laughs> he's just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what, I don't get it. What, what exactly does the opposite of Spider-Man mean? I guess because like he's. Spider-Man is so, like, selfless and, like, humble and, mm-hmm. like, anonymous. And, oh, yeah. And I don't know. And it's weird seeing a hero in a story I'm watching be rewarded for his awesomeness mm-hmm. or his own awareness of his awesomeness. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I've been getting a little bit too awesome. I think I'm going to lay low. Which he kind of – which they don't even kind of <laughs> – and so I was kind of excited for Series 7 to be like, oh, he's going to be, like, in hiding and in secret. But then it kind of doesn't do that. And then he does it again in The Snowman. And by then you're like, how many times are you going to, like, play the being in hiding card, you know? And it was... Yeah. And they even kind of do it again in Bells of St. John. And But we're getting ahead of ourselves. But... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Wedding River Song. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. That uh, I don't I don't know what you could do to fix it. Um, I think I honestly think Moffat thought of a cool title, 
and like a cool sexy title and then uh wrote an episode around it and um only a first draft because why would anyone why would anyone want to write this more than once um (laughs) (laughs) so uh, i i imagine he's just like "Eh, that's good enough let's just go with this um yeah so that's uh that's series six which brings us to that christmas special the doctor the widow and the wardrobe which I I don't think it's a great episode, um, but and I, I actually I actually really dislike the first half of it. Um, uh, the Doctor doing his cat in the hat stick is uh, just kind of like everything I hate about this era of the show. Um, so I really really dislike that part. Uh, the back half I like quite a bit more. Um, but it is really schmaltzy, but like kind of in a cute way that I find forgivable. Um, so like, I don't know. I don't, the episode doesn't offend me. I don't think it's particularly memorable. Um, and I think like at the end of the day, I'm just like, okay, it's <laughs> kind of how I feel about it. I don't know. What do you think, Cassandra? Um, I watched this for the first time uh, a couple of days ago when I was going through, um, cause I just missed it when it aired and stopped caring um (laughs) i heard like not so great things and matt was like no you don't need to watch it i was like okay um but it's cute um it doesn't even come close to the last christmas special um yeah which we already talked about but um i i like the idea of like the tardis or like the doctor being able to like open portals into like Narnia type land. I liked the like the imagery of it um because uh-huh. like Narnia especially now is like a big like part of our like collective like pop culture thing you know mm-hmm. like our pop culture awareness um and so I liked that and I liked the idea of him once again like taking like source material and then putting a Doctor Who spin on it which I think is cool um and I do like the idea of like the the mom like you know saving this forest and like um being quote strong because she is like maternal and stuff but it's it's it was quite a turn after the mess that was Wedding of River Song, but it still feels like super patronizing mm-hmm. in a way that I'm just like, eh, you tried, I guess, but I don't know. It's, it doesn't feel natural. No, it feels very forced. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. I'm a sucker for a Christmas special because I like Christmas and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So. It's it's not great, but it's not like god awful. So, mm-hmm. Nick, yeah, I have a real emotional soft spot for this episode. Uh, it's kind of in the same place in my heart as like the holiday, uh, like that Cameron Diaz Jack Black movie. I love that. movie. I love that movie too. And it's just like I remember the first time I saw this. It was you know it was Christmas Day Eve. Uh, I was home and like my parents were in bed already because it you know it was like. 9 p.m. on Christmas or whatever, like 10. And I just remember just bawling my eyes out, um, <laughs> just openly crying <laughs> uh, because it was Christmas and the mom and the kids and, 
you know, and the dad coming and back, and then he comes and... back, and and the you know, and that oh, there's this great line in the middle of him being the cat in the hat, where he's like, you know, why why bother doing this now if they're going to be sad later? The answer, of course, is because they're going to be sad later. Like, I really love that line. Uh, I think it's a real moment in the midst of like the the the, the twee, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like it it doesn't it does it falls way short of like a Christmas Carol, but. I also would watch this any year over the snowman. Uh, so yeah, like it, it kind of. I have to kind of play the cheap emotional card, where it's just like it's just so sweet, and uh, I I like the Narnia aesthetic. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It it is just it's it. This is Moffat pulling a Mark Gatiss where he just kind of bunts it. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell that he's not reaching for like the rafters, like a Christmas Carol or even Wedding of River yeah. Song in a way. Um, it's a very I also I also find it very strange the combination of Narnia with Christmas. Like why is that a thing? Snow. Oh, just cuz of the snow imagery. Literally. Right. Snow. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's just the snow imagery. Like it's just such a weird thing to connect to Christmas, I think. Yeah. Um but it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, and it's um yeah, just a very light kind of throwaway episode. Mm-hmm. Um we don't really learn anything about the doctor. Um, and I mean, and then there's that kind of really cute, but broken scene where he goes and has Christmas dinner with the pawns. Oh, right. And I'm just like, wait. Oh, I always forget that's in that. <laughs> and I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, wait, aren't you, don't they think that you're dead or like, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, all literally the next episode. You it, hear that sound? That's the sound of Moffat sweeping that under the rug. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> oh, let's just, nope. And... <laughs> we all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I I think if that had been Amy and Rory's last appearance, I would have been perfectly fine with it. Yeah. Like, it's a good, like, it's a quiet kind of, like... Well, because then it wouldn't have felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Because as it stands, it feels like it's his family, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Guys had like sixty of these guys. Yeah. Like, what's the what's the big deal about these two that make it his family? Well, it's because well, it's because this is Stephen Moffat's characters. Right. This is his. So he's like, it has to be the most important family because he's the one writing them. (laughs) Uh, Well, all right. That tape brings us to series seven. Uh, Well, series seven A, because I feel like you have to really like split these up oh definitely um, yeah because they're so different uh but so so 7a began with uh asylum of the daleks um which was a, a another yet another stephen moffat episode um and uh this is the one where the people are turning into daleks and um you get we get our first look at uh at uh jenna coleman um, in her first of two appearances before she's Clara. This is back when she was Jenna Louise Coleman. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. She had the three name thing yeah. going on when she was first announced. Um, so yeah, she's like souffle girl and, uh, turns out she's actually a Dalek, which is, um, weird. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it's, uh, I mean, I think, I, I think it's a fun episode. Like I, it, again, like, I don't think it's, uh, it's not one that breaks the bank or anything. It doesn't do anything particularly special, but, 
Um, I will say, like, when I watched this the first time through and she showed up, I was like, oh, that's legitimately surprising. Yeah. That's interesting. It was, it was a fun mm-hmm. twist. Um, so, so I thought that was really cool. Um, and, I, you know, there's stuff in it that I, that I like. I think as a whole, the episode is just okay. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's a nice, like, solid se- season premiere. Uh, Cassandra? Um, I, yeah, no, it's, it's fun. And I liked it a lot more the first time I saw it than I did this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, honestly, the best part is Jenna Coleman because it's, she's new and it's something. Right. I don't know. Is this I, also the one with the where Rory and uh, and Amy are divorced or yeah, something? Yeah, and it's yeah. Stupid. Okay, well that's all. That's all dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I forget. I always forget that's in here. Um, yeah. Have we talked about the fact that Amy is a model? Oh yeah, we skipped right past that. Right. Because I think that's so dumb. It is. For the record, that's dumb. well. It's because she has no other personality other than. Think- companion like, we don't legs. know anything about her like, <laughs> martha about like her. martha wanted to be a doctor yeah right. um i guess we didn't really know anything about rose well, like all rose wanted to do was travel with the doctor yeah well like rose kind of we kind of picture that rose was sort of like a slacker like kind of an aimless right like, but i'm saying like she has no ambition sure yeah you know but that was kind of her yeah. arc was like oh ambition and then yeah, right. donna yeah. was like a, donna was like a businesswoman right she was like a banker she had like a really boring job no, she was like a. She was like a temp, a, a temp. right? A temp. Yeah, she's yeah. temp. Yeah, yeah, she was aimless. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. She, uh, I, yeah, and then and then she kind of went back to being aimless at the end. The <laughs> the doctor and the guy that runs Urban Outfitters have a lot in common. I'm realizing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah. like I, the the whole like Amy and Rory are divorced thing because like Amy can't give him. Key. That's so dumb. That's. Like, ugh. yeah, it's uh, and, and no, it's not even that that Amy can't give him kids. It's that they just refuse to communicate with each other because as soon as they do, he's like, no, but seriously, that's not a problem. And she's like, oh, well, I was being selfless. And he's like, well, selfless, more like selfish. And then they laughed and then it was over. Yeah. <laughs> Who are no. we? They got married again. <laughs> it's just like, OK. <laughs> Their whole like. I don't know. I guess the whole River Song fallout about how, like, she's their kid and they don't really have a chance to watch her grow up. Like, I feel like, like, coming from someone who, like, really wants kids, that would, like, destroy me. And, like, it's kind of treated lightly. And they're like, oh, yeah, you totally got to raise your daughter because she was your best friend growing up, blah, blah, blah. But, like... I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's Stephen Moffat, so he's not going to go into that. But like, I wanted more from that, and then like, I feel like this was his attempt at it, and it's just awful. I honestly just don't think the ish, the the theme of motherhood or maternity interests him at all. Like, I I, I, I think like the river is Amy's daughter was like a oh that's a fun twist, but I don't think he actually ever had any intention of dealing with the effects this would have on either character. Yeah. Because she only talks about it when they decide to make it a thing for, like, a page. Right. And then it's like, you don't understand. Like, I didn't get to, like, take care of my daughter. And then (laughs) she's, like, right back to fun, flirty, sassy Amy. Exactly, yeah. And there's no through line, and there's no... Yeah, so it's just... And then, so whenever they do bring it up, it just comes off as, like, a cheap, 
like, ploy to make it, to give it weight, you know? Yeah, like, hey, remember this happened? We're going to talk about it again and make it a big deal for no reason. Yeah. Uh, Mm I don't know. But, Um, yeah. Okay, well, so then what are your thoughts on Asylum of the Daleks, Nick? Um, It's definitely a much stronger uh, version of the Daleks than Victory of the Daleks. Yeah. Um, Because they're, like, effed up and... And like scary and insane, and yeah. yeah, and like it's just it's just really interesting look at the Dalek culture, and so I, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, this is actually my favorite version of Clara. I actually really like Oswin. Um, I couldn't tell you how they're different <laughs> per se, but <laughs> there's just like a Oswin just had like this extra spark. I don't know, like, I don't know. And so I was like, oh, I I really miss Oswin. Like, I didn't, I never, watching this, I was like, oh, I actually kind of miss you as this character. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this this one gets a solid, it it, it didn't, it it isn't uh, Impossible Astronaut or um, uh, 11th Hour, but it is like a cool little, like, hey, we're back, guys. Like, it's not an event. Right. But it's just like a fun little, hey, remember these guys? Here's what they're up to. Right, yeah. It really this this whole like the series seven a just feels like it like this weird interstitial season where it's just like oh we got to spend five episodes saying goodbye to these guys. Do you remember uh, when you were they were interviewing Moffat and he was like oh like this is our like movie poster season it's all gonna be self contained you're gonna get a little movie poster I just remembered that yeah yeah but he like he said that like that was supposed to be like a major driving force is that you would you were gonna get like poster art. Right, yeah. Well, it was the idea that they were like they, he he said that every every episode is going to have like a, a sexy concept, like like a sexy movie poster concept. I think the movie posters were incidental. Sure, yeah. That was like a marketing thing, but his his idea was like there's no two-parters this season and they're all like big, splashy, sexy Hollywood ideas um for every episode. Uh that was the whole the whole idea with the season, which is why we get uh, dinosaurs on a spaceship. Yay! Um, nothing says sex like dinosaurs on a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Fil- and Filch. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 Filch. Um, so. Uh, so. So. Uh, or. Or William Hartnell. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So. So dinosaurs on the spaceship. Um, guest starring uh, David Bradley, the the wonderful David Bradley. Um, and, uh, I think this episode, you know, I think it's a cool idea. Um, the, the whole like Silurian, uh, connection is like really, really awesome. Um, I feel like the collection of historical figures are weird. Um, and I don't think we get enough of them to warrant their, them being here like if this was a two-parter i'd be like yeah sure throw some throw some historical figures on the fire why not let's do it but it being just like a 40 minute episode it just feels like needless fluff i guess on an otherwise like i think fun episode um i i really the the historical figures i think kind of kill this episode for me a little bit uh because it takes away from like the cool idea and the and and you know, just the, the, the title, you know, the dinosaurs on a spaceship. Like, that's that's a cool thing. But it's also, there's also a part of it that feels very pandery uh, on Moffat's part of just, like, 
Um, because it, it's like the title itself is just not even taking itself seriously. Um, and so it's kind of hard for me to. Uh, so that's how I feel about it. Uh, what about you, Cassandra? Um, yeah, this episode's fun. It just kind of happens, but mm-hmm. like it, it's enjoyable. Like it's not like, eh. um, I like Rory's dad. Um, oh yeah, love Rory's dad. See, you have Rory's dad. Why do we need the historical figure? Yeah, not enough of a new person. Um, I don't know. But my question is, why didn't we see Rory's dad at the wedding? Like, anyway, um, <laughs> wasn't that a? Didn't they explain? I don't. His dad I, couldn't be there. For I don't him? remember. I, um, I thought they mentioned that. I thought they did too. I've, he I was know. he was tending to his other secret family out in the countryside. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. <laughs> In the wizarding world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's fun, but it's it's just like a fluffy episode, which I don't mind because it's it's harmless. Yeah. I would yeah I would describe this episode as like harmless. Like it's just a romp and it's cool, mm-hmm. but it's not like it's in like that middle like I don't really care about these episodes, but they're still really enjoyable, and I'm not offended by it. Zone. Yeah, they're solid. Yeah. Yeah, they're just solid for the most part. Um, Nick, I know you're a big fan of this episode. Yeah, I just have so much fun with this one. Uh, it's it's just it's kind of it's like Sarah Jane Adventures, just kind of dipped, just kind of wore Doctor Who's suit for 45 minutes. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like how it is sort of. I don't want to say a throwback because I'm not saying the Doctor Who came from a, a childish place ever, but it is fun to watch an episode that's kind of meant for like for kids, probably. And yeah, mm-hmm. and like I love Roy's dad, and I love the I love the chemistry between Arthur Darville and David Bradley, and I I'm actually a really big fan of the Doctor as like the weird uncle in this episode. I think for some reason something about that relationship just kind of clicks in this episode and uh yeah i mean like i can't i can't deny that it's it's not it's not uh don't have a lot of weight uh it's not very substantial but i definitely this might be my favorite episode of 7a uh just because it's it's fun and it's 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 clever enough and everyone's just having a ball and sometimes that's a lot of i mean that's why i like unicorn and the wasp yeah yeah yeah, I guess that's true. Um, all right, so uh, Town Called Mercy, uh, which is the Toby Whithouse episode of, of the season. Um, this is my favorite of of 7A uh, because uh, Toby Whithouse, man, I just triple play every time, yeah. every time. Uh, he's so good. Uh, and I love I love the idea of this. I love the, the cyborg, uh, like, gunslinger and – and the 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 whole mystery with the guy in the ship and all of that and i just i love all of that i think it's really good i love uh the doctor's gay horse like <laughs> it's my favorite joke <laughs> it's such a good joke oh just so good um i i really really love this and i i i know that um for the most part, and I know Cassandra, you like it too, but I, 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 I know that we're like in the minority. Like for a lot of people, this was the Are worst episode really? of the season. Yeah, most people said that this was the worst episode of the season. Um, yeah, but people also like Angels Take Manhattan. So yeah, they well, that's what they would say would be the best one. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, we're just uh, we're just we're just better than most people. <laughs> uh. I I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> Cassandra, yeah. Oh. So what, what do you like about it? <laughs> um, I this episode is actually in my top ten for this the era. Um, nice. It it sneaks in. It's like number ten. Um, Toby Woodhouse, man. I no. I love this. I love that it's a western. Like it has like the feel of a western. I love the um, the whole thematic um, uh, comparison between the doctor and the uh, the alien, Kala uh, Jex, mm-hmm. um, and I like I like that it's morally gray, and I like that we see the doctor kind of snap and kind of go to like his enemy's level and then like Amy as companion kind of pulls him out of that and we get the resolution. Um, I just, uh, I love everything about this episode. It's so good. Why don't, why do people hate it? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't people know. People are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think that's just, you know, in general, people are just wrong. Um, also I'm super jealous of Saul Metstein who directed dinosaurs on a spaceship in this, he got to di- direct dinosaurs on a spaceship, like just like hard sci-fi with dinosaurs, and then a western with like cyborgs and what? Spa- like, what, like just that's what a what a great one-two punch of that's episodes awesome. to get stuck with to direct. Right? Like, that's so great. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts on a town called Mercy? Well, you know, I have always thought that dinosaurs are cooler than cowboys. So <laughs> I sound like I'm seven, like reviewing movies. Uh, so so yeah so like just something about like I I I I really like this episode. Um, it has that similar bounce that dinosaurs on a spaceship had, where it's almost kind of like the sounds really. I don't mean this like in the most obvious way, but it's kind of the Back to the Future Part Three of Doctor Who or the Matt Smith era. Oh yeah, where it's just such a loving. They all know, and like there's kind of an extra little jaunt in everyone because they get to kind of play like American cowboy western movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Matt Smith, you could just you could just feel the 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 glee coming out of him like just getting to just play with that iconography. Oh yeah. Well, he uh he actually loves westerns. Yeah. Um because uh there was actually one of his first one of the first like Doctor Who books like those those like novella things mm-hmm. that come out um one of the first ones with the 11th doctor was a book set in the old west and he like he demanded to read the audiobook because he wanted to do like all the accents and stuff <laughs> that's I, so wonderful yeah because he just loves the old west and everything so like if you look like one of the very first books is like a, a western like with the 11th doctor and, and amy and and he does like all of the accents and it's it's glorious. Yeah, I would That's love awesome. to, I would love to listen yeah. to that. Yeah. Um yeah, I would I would take this over the next two episodes uh <laughs> any day like I I don't remember loving this but I do I kind of feel it this way the way you guys felt about dinosaurs on a spaceship. Mm. Where I was like that That's was a, fair. that was a really good episode and I do really enjoy that whereas dinosaurs was a little bit too fluffy this one does kind of I always I, I'm all, I I always appreciate when the writer looks inward at the doctor and be like, okay, well, where is this guy at right now? Mm-hmm. And this is definitely a really interesting 
like bottle contained look at where his headspace is at during this very tumultuous period in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Um also uh worth noting it's the first uh western episode of western set episode of Doctor Who since the Gunslingers, which was the first Doctor story. Yeah. Um so it was Gun, like Gunfighters. Gunfighters, sorry, Gunfighters. I love that episode, but anyway. um I hate that episode. It's so <gasps> awful. I hate it so much. <laughs> oh no. It. With its stupid music and its stupid <laughs> reason for existing. Ugh. I have a toothache. I know what I'll do. I'll go to the old west to get that taken care of. Yeah. That's uh some real great logic there, doctor. Oh, that's classic who for you. Um <laughs> anyway, uh but there's that and uh it is our it's the last episode written by Toby Woodhouse. Um To date. Yeah, to date, because uh, he's not he's uh, not writing an episode for Series 8, uh, so that means that, at best, we have uh, another year before we get a Toby Woodhouse episode. Um, sigh. So, uh, yeah, let's sigh. What's he doing? Because, like, he was being human, he, right? He has, a, he has a spy drama starting on, on BBC that he, like, one of those ones where he, like, is the author of it. Sure. And, like, wrote every episode. Because um, the same thing happened with Chris Chibnall who wrote our next episode uh the power of three it's his la- that's his last episode because he went and created Broadchurch, um and now he's doing Broadchurch season two so um, broad church broad church two back in the habit yeah so he's busy <laughs> with he's busy with broad church and with the american spinoff remake of broad church hmm. um because he's doing both of those so he's doing series two of broad church and the american version like simultaneously broader church He's yeah, because he's insane. <laughs> apparently, Grace Point, I think, is what it's called. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so uh, so that's the end of Toby Whitehouse, and then now the Power of Three uh, brings us to the end of Chris Chipnell, um, who I think, like looking back, I think is like kind of an average uh, writer for Doctor Who, which is weird because Broadchurch is unbelievably stupid good, um, like ridiculously good yeah, so I need to watch that. Uh, everybody everybody watch uh broad church because it's awesome um the power <laughs> of three uh this is one that i'm aware has issues but i have a really good time watching it i it's the one episode i think in all of the moffat era that feels the most like russell t davies to me because it's all about family life and it's very earthbound um and and just about these characters sort of like hanging out and dealing with a problem on earth and like you get to know their families and stuff like it's i don't know it just feels very um rtd to me um so that i i like it a lot for that uh it definitely has a deus ex machina kind of ending and it it i freaking hate the disco dance move that the doctor does when he jump starts his heart um <laughs> dumb so dumb i just somebody needed to be on set to be like oh not so big matt not so big um <laughs> and uh and 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 i really uh i really really hate the uh voiceover in this that ends with like that the power of three yeah the power of three it's like ridiculous uh, but, but other than that, like I, I do, I do like the episode quite a bit. Um, what do you, what do you think, Cassandra? Um, I always forget this episode exists. 
Not That's in fair. like not in a bad <laughs> way, but it's just like <clears throat> at least dinosaurs on a spaceship. There's like dinosaurs on a spaceship. Yeah, it's hard um, to forget. Yeah, and it has such a like a weird, obscure title, and I'm like, oh, ha, ha I see what you did there. Um, but I like the concept of like a slow invasion. Like it's actually like really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the cubes and everything. I like the uh, whole like Brigadier's daughter name drop. Um, yeah, I like her a lot. Um, but it's interesting that you, because now that you mention it, it does really feel like a Russell T episode um, with like everyone's like family and stuff, and like the Doctor having to adjust to like human like everyday life as opposed to just going off on his own on grand adventures which is what a lot of this era has been um so maybe that's why i don't remember it because it's it just kind of sneaks in Mm -hmm. um i feel like this episode is like love and monsters in that like the first 40 like 30 35 minutes are really good and then the end is just like what and yeah, then it, it just co- it just like wraps up in like yeah, seven minutes. It just kind of <laughs> ends, and I'm like, oh, that that was dumb. The power of three, <laughs> and then it smacks you over the head with the title, and then it's done. <laughs> so, but yeah, I enjoy it, but it's just it's not very memorable to me. Nick, yeah, I mean it's it's the last good episode with the pawns, which uh, looking back now kind of makes it like a tad more precious to me to be honest you know yeah um because it really is kind of like a send-off before the send-off where we kind of get to see them just being the pawns with without too much baggage beyond the baggage of like a normal who adventure Uh um yeah i yeah it is very it is very russell t davis in that it's kind of very light gentle satire and like kind of like a gentle distrust in modern technology where it's not actually saying anything, but it's just like, that's kind of weird, right? People are always doing this, but what if it's aliens? Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and it's fun. I love I love the Doctor having to just live with them. Uh, I love the Doctor playing the Wii. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just fun. And then, you know, yeah, the ending's really... Doesn't he uh, Doesn't he do a bunch of chores in the episode and it like takes him like five minutes and he's like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, it takes him like an hour. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, this is the worst. <laughs> Wait, did, didn't he like kick a soccer ball like a hundred times? Like, yeah. Oh, man. I, I love when they're like, oh, yeah, you're really good at soccer. We should probably like take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Um, it's just like a it's like a nothing episode. Yeah. Um, Good, strong. There's a really, uh, really beautiful little scene between Karen Gillan and Matt Smith, kind of at night on the outside of a building. Yeah, I remember where it's you know there's is, is oh yes where the, yeah. like, you were the first face his face ever saw, and mm-hmm. yeah, like little moments like that really just take it over the edge from like adequate into just soundly good. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's accurate. Um, also, uh, again, you know, we mentioned him in, in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, but, uh, Rory's dad is so funny in this episode. Yeah. Um, just like doing experiments on the, uh, on the cube. Just so, so game just to help. Yeah. That's really great. Um, and then, all right. So that brings us to the end of, uh, 7A, the angels take Manhattan, uh, Stephen Moffat, Nick Curran, and, uh, and the farewell to the ponds. 
uh, shot in New York. It's the return, and 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 it's the return, and and I was hoping to God it would be the last time we'd ever have to deal with the weeping angels, and yet they came back again <laughs> after this. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, you're supposed to turn to stone. For some reason, the Statue of Liberty is a angel, um, even though it's made out of copper. Um, so, yeah, so, like, I, I just feel like this episode spends a lot of time uh, with Moffat sort of betraying the rules for these uh, monsters that he created. Um, and, you know, he created them, so he probably just thinks, like, whatever, I can do whatever I want. Um, and, you know, he crosses his arms and pouts. Um, that's how I picture Moffat for the most part. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work even just from like a technical, like plot standpoint. And then on top of that, we have the, we have our, our, our companions go out by getting touched by the angels. And we saw in the first episode, what happens when somebody gets touched by an angel and sent back <laughs> and, and, touch, you know, touch, they, touched by an angel. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they uh, they just go back in time and they kind of just live their life um, like like uh, I think the tenth doctor says they live to death they go back in time and they live to death um, and it's like well okay that's not so bad I mean you know it's not ideal but <laughs> it's not so bad and then you know they touch both of them both of the ponds so they both go back so they're together they live their whole life in the past. And, you know, Amy gets to be a book writer, which is nice. It's better than a model. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I, d- you know, I, des- I don't. I decided I like doing this now. I- yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, to be fair, uh, probably a lot easier to get published back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I. Uh, it's a bad episode. Like, it's a really bad episode. And I think that the thing that I, I don't like about it more than anything is how it paints their disappearance as such a tragedy when in reality it's kind of not like it's fine. Um, they're not dead. I mean, they are dead, but they, they live to be old people. So like, what's the big deal and why exactly can't the doctor go back to the time period that they were in to go visit them? Like, I don't really understand that. And I don't, I don't, I mean, look, if there's a whole time period that he can't go back, here's the thing. If I'm an alien, I get myself a time machine and I take over the universe in that time frame because what's the doctor going to do? He can't come back there, right? It's time locked or something. <laughs> I don't know. Just seems like a, a dumb move, Moffat. Um, it just feels like forced and false to me. It's like false drama. Um, and that's kind of just how I feel about the end of the ponds in this episode it's just feel it just rings really really false and it's stupid and they jump off that building and it's dumb Cassandra uh I hate this episode <laughs> this episode more than any other episode in this entire era wow is like yes this is this is my wedding of river song hmm. um and it, I mean, we've already talked, like, the Statue of Liberty is not made of stone. Yeah. It's made of copper. 
read a history book. Um, Re- read Wikipedia. Like right. Um, oh, oh Americans, they don't know. No, we know. We're calling you on it. Yeah. Um, also, we didn't even make it. The French did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I. It is forced drama. It's like wallowing in itself mm-hmm. for the sake of itself. Um, I got so much crap from so many people about how I didn't cry when the pawns left. And they're like, you have no soul. And I'm like, shut up. Just stop. <laughs> like, they they live, like, they got to be with each other. Like, they weren't separated. If it had been, like, them not being together, yeah, that's really sad. Because we had just spent, like, two, two and a half seasons talking about how, like, they were meant to be together. It would have been um, sad, but at the same time, I feel like it really would have only been sad for Rory. Amy would have gotten over it. Because that's the overwhelming feeling you get from what... Moffat has been telling us about her character since 11th Hour is that she's not yeah. really that emotionally attached to anybody. And, she, it's, and it's like, that sucks that I feel that way about her character. <laughs> it's weird. I, I feel like she would have just been like, been like, oh, Rory's not here? Well, what about this guy? Hey, guy. Yeah. Oh. I, just, I don't know. It... Uh... Meanwhile, Rory would have just been a mess and died alone. Oh, poor Rory. (laughs) No, this episode is terrible, and I hate hate it. Um, And it's just more... It's just, it's just such a a wink fest. Can I say that? Can I say that here? It's, It's so ridiculously, like, wanky in all of the worst possible ways. And I... This is everything I hate about Stephen Moffat right here in this episode. What was the thing like, about the the book? Wasn't there a thing? I feel like there was something about a book and and because yeah. uh, I didn't rewatch this one. There's something about a yeah about a book um, and 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 River and like her breaking her foot. Like I did like that. I like that she broke her foot. Um, uh, not because I but, hate her, but just because I thought it was a good moment. If I remember uh, correctly. Yeah, no, it's, like, her wrist because, like, an angel grabs her. Right, that's right. Um, And, I don't know, like, the book thing is interesting because it's, like, running parallel. That's, like, the only interesting part about this. Oh, yeah, um, this has the stupid teaser that has nothing to do with anything. Okay, the thing about this teaser is that we literally see the entire episode happen to a random guy in, like, five minutes. Yeah. Everything. Terrible teaser. It's, like, why why would you show us the whole thing in the first five minutes and then we have to sit through 40 more minutes of it happening again but this time to people we care about ish (laughs) like i i don't understand anything about this episode and like it's uh worst worst yeah nick yeah everything that you guys said pretty much it's just really pandery and it's it's asking us to care because it's the pawns and we love the pawns and oh the pawns are great and let's like reblog the pawns 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 and like yeah like <laughs> yeah like I really I really I really enjoyed Amy and Rory uh, and it was fun seeing them again like rewatching these episodes but what a piss poor way to send off these characters like yeah. I mean for, like you know it's like oh like oh you didn't cry when the pawns died like, you must not have a soul Donna freaking noble. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Talk about Donna, I, or, Donna or might Rose. be one of the most tragic uh companion yeah. uh departures ever. 
because it's like everything that she learned and and like in every way that she grew as a character is just lost. Yeah, the ultimate death, really. Yeah, and it's and like it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, and and like uh, I I and then there's that really ugly, just almost gargantuanly mishandled moment when Rory quote dies. Where Rory dies first. And then the doctor, like, pleads with Amy to, like, forget about him and stay with the, him, the doctor. Oh, it's so gross. And just like, no, come away, pod, come on. And it's like, oh, he said the line, right? And I'm like, no, that's awful. Mm. He loved, I thought he liked Rory. And it, it in, like, in two seconds, it, like, destroys what we kind of saw finally finished in, like, The Power of Three, where, they're, where they are kind of, like, this liquid, mutually respectful unit. And then it's like, no, don't leave me. He could, he could, whatever. But you don't leave me because you're the girl, and I like you. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> and and then I'm just so this era. I'm, I, I don't know. I don't like everyone babysitting the doctor, mm-hmm. or being emotionally, or just being emotional rugs for the doctor. Well, that's the that's Moffat's. Uh, that's that's what's funny though is like. Moffat is like very misogynistic, but he's also like not super kind to men either. Like he's that's how he's he just always, hates everybody. Yeah, he just hates everyone. Like he's really he, that's how he views men is like just immature little babies that need to be babysitted all the time because they're just just they're just little like just messes of human beings that never grow up ever. Um, that's like every male character he's ever written. That's what they're like. Um, so so yeah, he's he just turns out he doesn't really write very good characters. And like, <laughs> there's all those scenes where Rivers like, oh, the Doctor doesn't like endings. They're like, oh, the Doctor, you can't be alone. It's like, can we talk about the two people that kind of just died for like two seconds? And it just feels empty. Like I don't. And hats off to Matt Smith for you know delivering a really emotional performance at the end. But like to what end? It just it feels yeah. empty. Yeah, he doesn't like endings. It says what? Point to me where he doesn't like endings. Right there in the script where Mavo was like, yeah. he doesn't like endings. We don't call him the, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so so that episode leads the d- doctor into a deep depression. It's, it's um, it, Because he never gets to see his friends again. He dark, That's he dark, night, he dark night rises, basically. Yeah, he dark night rises. <laughs> Good. <laughs> he dark night rises. Um, and uh, Gandalf is his uh, bane. Um, and the snowmen. Sure. Uh... <laughs> which is the next Christmas special um, and what we thought was the introduction of Clara, uh, except there's another twist. That's not Clara either. Um, And she dies at the end of this. Uh, There are a lot, there's a lot of imagery that I love in this. I think Saul Metstein is a really good director um, because that image of like the, uh, the, the ladder thing that you have to you climb to get to the cloud with the TARDIS on it is really cool. I don't know if the mm-hmm. science checks out there, but it's cool. <laughs> um, and uh, so I really like that. And I do like the idea of the Doctor being sort of like crotchety in the time period of, of Scro- Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, so like he's kind of like a Scrooge-like figure, uh, which I kind of like. And I'll be honest, if you're going to have... The, what did you call them, Nick? Oh, the Why Are We Here Brigade. Yeah, the Why Are We Here Brigade. If you're going to have the Why Are We Here Brigade, 
I kind of like them. They they feel suited for a Christmas special to me more than any other time that they uh, ever show up ever. Um, although apparently Saul Metzstein, he uh, he likes them because he uses them in like he uses them here. And then his, the next two episodes he directs, they're in that, too. Interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I don't this this episode like I don't think it's it's great. And I don't I don't I'm not super um uh, i really hate the reasoning why the doctor is crotchety and stuff but i don't know i don't mind it i think it's i think it's fine um and i like the you know the snowmen creatures that's fun what a generic title for this though seriously the snowmen okay thanks (laughs) i guess couldn't that was just him not trying that was a first draft title that never got changed you couldn't throw in like a dawn of or like march of or night of yeah. something yeah yeah well whatever um but great intelligence that's that's something that's fun and i really like uh what's the uh what's the actor's name in it that plays the bad guy richard e grant yeah richard e grant is really good he played a doctor once with nil and i actually twice he played the Doctor twice. He played the unofficial Ninth Doctor in like that animated thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and he played one of the Doctors that uh, uh, one of the regenerated Doctors in Curse of Fatal Death, the uh, comedy special that Stephen Moffat also wrote um, huh. back in the nineties. Um, have you seen that, Cassandra? I don't believe so. Oh, you would love it. It's so funny. It's really good. Um, it's back. It was during the '90s, and it's just like a love letter to classic Who. And, and is that the one with um, Rowan Atkinson? Yeah, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, yeah. I've seen parts of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing. Okay, it's really fun. When he regenerates a bunch at the end, one of them is is Richard E. Grant. Um, huh. So, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think it's fine. I, I, I really wish this had been our Clara. Honestly, see, like you, like Nick was just like, I like the Oswin one. I actually like the old timey Clara the best, <laughs> but that's just because I was really into the idea of an old timey companion. Um, cause we've only had modern companions since new who started. And I was like, Oh, this would be, this would be really cool if we have like an old timey companion. That's really fun. Um, and then that's, then she dies and it's kind of a waste. Um, and uh, and yet it still brings the doctor out of his uh, out of his depression for some reason, because um, he's got a puzzle to figure out. And he's the doctor, and that's what he does. Um, <laughs> no, that's what the Riddler does, Moffat. Um, that's not <laughs> that's not the doctor. He just. Um, but but I don't know. I I really I think I think it's I think this is a visually stunning episode. But uh, I I find it. Um, a lot of the setup to get here is kind of a uh, problematic. Like, I don't really like the setup. I don't mind the episode. That that was that scene where where Matt Smith just like, like where the doctor just like struts into that room and just starts like explaining things. Um, and like the great intelligence. I love the great intelligence. Isn't the great intelligence basically like a snow globe in this? Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, I don't know, Cassandra. What did what did you think? Um, I actually like this one more than. Uh... The Widow in the Wardrobe. Oh, nice. Um, I, I, I don't know. I liked the use of the great intelligence here. And it's interesting that they chose that villain to bring back. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like, and Gandalf. I, mean, I know. 
Yeah. And oh my God. Okay. So we were watching it and I didn't realize that Ian McKellen was in it. And I was like, oh, that, that sounds like, like, that sounds like Gandalf. And then we were, as it was going on, I just like, uh, I was like, yeah, no, that, that, that's totally like Ian McKellen. Hello. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like someone trying to impersonate like <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart or something. Um, and then the end credits happen. There's just like great intelligence in McKellen. I'm like, Gandalf's the great intelligence. I told you. Um, anyway. Um, no, I like, I like this episode. Um, I agree that the, why are we here for grade, which is my new favorite thing. Um, <laughs> they are like really suited for like a Christmas episode, which is so weird to me. Cause it's just like a, Centauran and a Solarian and a human sounds like the setup for a really bad joke. Um, <laughs> There's something just so Victorian about them that yeah. that fits Christmas, whereas like any other time, it's just like now they just feel sh- shoved in now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like uh, Matt Smith's outfit. Like I like his like change. Is like moody. Like oh, I'm yeah. depressed. Doctor, I'm gonna wear a top hat and a long like duster. Oh yeah, um, I do really like his costume in that. Doesn't he have the the uh, like twos pants too? I believe so. Like the checkered pants. Yeah, which is a cool like send up. His great <laughs> intelligence is like twos villain. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's it, this episode's fun, and I, I'm I. I care about this Clara and I care about Oswin in a way that I don't care about modern Clara, mm-hmm. like actual Clara, which is really sad because, like, I don't know. I was actually really surprised that she died and I was like, oh, of course she died. It's, it's a Moffat episode. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm like, uh, I just want characters. I don't want plot points. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, my issue. We'll talk about it in a few minutes, but that's my issue going forward mm-hmm. with the rest of Series 7. Nick? Um, um, it's fine. Um, it it doesn't have the, uh, the the big beating heart that I found in, in, in Widow and the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe. Um, I do agree. I think it's, it's so weird that they picked the, the least interesting Clara to be the Clara we always come back to. Because um, like, I, I really like Clara in this. Um, it's it, it looks beautiful. It totally fits that it looks like you're, you're watching like a storybook come to life. Uh, mm-hmm. There's really beautiful imagery in this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I really, I'm kind of tickled by the idea of the doctor wearing his old clothes is kind of like the equivalent of when you just wear your pajama pants for a week straight. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh god, I'm just gonna wear, I'm just gonna wear two pants for a while. <laughs> They're already worn in. Better days. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's good. And yeah, like it's it's fun and like uh. Matt Smith is just God. Oh, Matt Smith was just—he's so good, guys. Yes, he he's, he's yeah, and it's a little bit horrifying that like what gets him out of his funk is like the 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 promise of like a new woman to like break down and like de- <laughs> deconstruct. Um, <laughs> like that, I don't want to dwell too much on that, but uh, yeah, and we're also forgetting the just pandering from on top of the mountain scene. Uh, sir, there's a Sherlock Holmes at the door for you. 
and like yeah. oh my god you guys remember that moment the- oh you know i don't i don't think i ever even put that together yeah yeah no i really don't even think i ever put that together i i think what it was was that because it's a victorian era thing I like it didn't even occur to me that it would that it's like oh because he does Sherlock and uh, we're gonna think that Benedict Cumberbatch is at the door never even occurred to me because it's so different eras sure and I was just like oh yeah Sherlock Holmes because Victorian I never read it as like a fake out like oh you thought I never I, I don't think I thought I don't think anyone thought it was gonna be Benedict Cumberbatch but I remember thinking like oh I bet this is oh. like a really cheap oh Nick I think you vastly <laughs> underestimate fandom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people really want that to happen. People really don't get why that wouldn't work on a fundamental way. It's because yeah, they 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 want their fanfic to come true. Um, they want them to make out. They they want them to make really out. Really pretty. That's really what they want. Yeah. I mean, I want that as much as anyone else. Yeah. But like, not not on not in Doctor Who. Yeah. No. <laughs> it can happen on Sherlock. That's fine. Sure. Anything anything yeah. can happen on that show. <laughs> they can just do ninety minutes of <laughs> just Benedict Cumberbatch going back and forth between Matt Smith and <laughs> Watson. <laughs> yeah. Just them just making out together. Hi, I'm Laura Lenny. <laughs> it would be the highest rated episode of Sherlock ever. Hi, I'm Laura Linney, and you're watching Masterpiece Theater on PBS. And then just <laughs> smash cut to all three of them just making up. Oh, my God. I would watch Sherlock again for that. I'm not even kidding. And then oh, man. The, the, the background music is just a Spotify playlist of, like, the show's two soundtracks, like, on shuffle. <laughs> oh, man. Oh my goodness! All right. Okay. Well, that brings us to seven B, <laughs> um, and the bells of Saint John, or as I refer to it as uh, Moffat's greatest hits. Um, this is uh, this is Stephen Moffat looking at every episode he's ever written and just repeating all of it in one episode. Um, every shtick, every theme, every monster every trick every everything everything that he's ever done he just repeats it um in this episode uh it's like watching a greatest hits album um it's the weirdest thing and uh it's hard to really get into unless i like break it down like every but if you go back in the feed and you go listen to the uh bells and saint john episode that i did with matt um you'll hear me talk about it in more detail but it's it's just Moffat's greatest hits. It's the most ridiculous thing and uh, really just put a bad taste in my mouth for this season. Because I was like, there's there's enjoyable stuff in it. Um, there's enjoyable bits. But like between it being like a lazy script and uh, our, our Clara, the Clara that we're going to be stuck with for the rest of, uh, well, until Christmas. Yeah, until Christmas, apparently. Um, she's not that interesting. Um, she's like a babysitter. Okay, great. Wonderful. She's a babysitter. Oh my God, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. She's a babysitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I just, yeah. I just, I, never, I just got oh why that's so offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's a babysitter, uh, because the doctor needs one. Um, oh my god! It's uh, it's real not good. Uh, talk about the least interesting version of Clara. Um, this is this is it. Yeah, uh, I think we all agree there. Um, and it's uh, so between that and like 
it being Moffat's greatest hits, like the, yeah, this episode has certain things that I like. Like I love the airplane sequence. Oh my God. I love the airplane sequence. Um, the single shot where they go into the TARDIS, he hits a few buttons and they go out of the TARDIS and they're on, on a plane. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my God. That's so cool. Um, (laughs) it's so cool. Uh, that's like magic. Um, so I, I love that, and there's other, like, little bits in this that I really, really love. But for the most part, it is so forgettable. Like, it's just – it's just, like – it's, like, kind of offensively forgettable for being, like, supposedly the first story for a companion, which is really unfortunate because the reason it's so forgettable is because at this point we've been faked out twice, and it's just, like, why should I care, like, at this point, you know? Um, so it's – uh. It's it's a super problematic episode. What do, what do you think, Nick? Um, yeah, uh, I really I'm a really big fan of the reveal of why it's called that because I I, I love that no one got that before it came out. Um, oh yeah, I was like, oh that's that's a fun little. It does say that, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, yeah, it's just it's really bland. Uh, it's kind of got like a John Grisham feel, which is fun sometimes, but it doesn't go all the way. Um. Mm-hmm. I really love the scene where the motorcycle drives up the skyscraper. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another good moment. Yeah. But I can't believe it's like, okay, well, we have this like like brassy, smart barmaid, like a modern woman trapped in Victorian England, you know, trying to like find her place in the world. A Dalek. And then we have like a babysitter 20-something who's like cute and like dresses cute and has like sassy one-liners, but ultimately needs the doctor. It's like, why Why would you pick the third one? <laughs> and, you know, Jenna Louise Coleman, you know, she seems like a very fun, like, energetic performer. But I just, this episode just kind of sets the bar for Clara as a character for me. Where I just, it's like, it's like if anyone but Karen Gillan played Amy. Well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. On paper, there's no difference. Absolutely no difference. Yeah. It's like it's like he yeah. just he just traded a redhead for a brunette, and I know that sounds gross for me to say, but I'm not. That's st- what he did. It is gross. Like, yeah, it's just gross. Like coming out of coming out from switching from Rose to Martha was like ooh, you know what I mean? Like it's oh, it's yeah. subtle because you know I'm not, I'm not going to say that they're totally different characters, but it's like oh okay yeah yeah yeah, and then to go from Martha to Donna, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I really think there could have been... They could have done more. And I don't mm-hmm. get why they just picked another Amy. Another kind of watered-down Amy. Well, that's all he's capable of writing in female characters. I mean, like, every every character that he, we've been introduced to is just another, like, of those characters. Like, River is like that. Amy's like that. Clara is like that. And every guest-starring female character is like that. Madame de Pompadour. Um, yeah, Madame de Pompadour and um, the woman in uh, Time of the Doctor. She's like that, too. Sally Sparrow. Um, yeah, Sally Sparrow's like that. I mean, it's just they're all like that because he only knows how to write one kind that he thinks is interesting because he probably doesn't think women are particularly interesting. And um, and it's just... Which, again, gross. <laughs> yeah. And I just yeah. don't... I didn't need a mystery to get interested in a character. I yeah. I just like why she's the impossible girl. I've, I, I, I that that's such a buzz. It, it, it's a buzzword. You know when like a group of Pepsi executives are like 
hashtag how do you Pepsi? There we go. It's like, what, what's a buzzword that'll get people to... <laughs> the impossible girl. She's impossible. She can't exist because it's like Joss Whedon says, like, science the science science. And, right. uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, 7B, guys. <laughs> Cassandra? Um, yeah, the first time I watched this episode, because I actually did attempt to get back into, like, Series 7, like, a little after it aired... Um, and it happened again this time. This episode just kind of happens and like not in a good way in like every possible mediocre way. It just kind of like washes over you and it's like lukewarm and you're like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. like, you know, it doesn't like, and it's, like it's coffee a shame that's be- been sitting out. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, ugh. there's no like. There's no emotional like tether to this episode. There's it's not interesting. We've already seen like iterations of Clara like twice before that are much more interesting mm-hmm. than our Clara. Um which is a shame because like all of the new Who companions, like their first episode is like iconic in a way. Yeah. Like Rose and um Smith and Jones and Partners in Crime and Eleventh Hour, like all of those are just so good for yeah. so many different reasons and this is just like all right mo- like monsters in the wi-fi ooh, like well and i don't like not being able to pinpoint when exactly you can call her first appearance either yeah you know i don't like that clara's first appearance it, because you know after what we learn in name of the doctor it is the same person so you can be like her first appearance is in asylum of the daleks or is it in the snowmen or is it in bells of saint john who knows? Right. Um, and it's just, yeah, I don't, it's so messy and needlessly so. Um, and like they do, I don't know, he like, uh, he doesn't even try. He's not even trying with this one. And like you can tell, it's like you said, it's Moffat's greatest, greatest hits, which most of his stuff is like not good, rehashed yeah. into. God, like, could you the, imagine? If, like, what if he took this same idea of, like, the impossible girl, right, but didn't bother making it a mystery and was just like, oh, there's this girl that I keep meeting and all these things. And you do one episode, like a Christmas special, where he keeps meeting this girl in different time periods. And mm-hmm. then he solves the, the the thing, whatever, in one episode and figures out a way to, like, sort of combine them all. So they have all of the memories of all of the versions of the same thing. And that's the character that we get. And she, and she's just like insane. Well, not insane, uh, but just like she's she like has all like it. It's almost like she's immortal, you know. Sure. Like she has all of that memory. She's almost you know, like a, she's almost as old as the doctor, right? I f- I feel like that would just be another river, though, like in a different way. Well, it depends on how you wrote her, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, but I don't know. I just feel like why pick the blandest version of this character? Why? I don't know because. <sighs> Women are not interesting. Dumb. And like maybe, maybe, maybe they thought like, well, we have to pick the one that audiences can relate to the most. Maybe because it's like, oh well, maybe it's a BBC thing. Because I mean, that's I guess that's true. I mean, that's that's the one thing we, we're trying to give Moffat credit for everything. But this is at the end of the day BBC's franchise, and so it could just be a thing that, where the BBC is like, you can't have a companion that isn't for modern day. Yeah, we need an Amy. We need another Amy. Yeah, 
Maybe well, just, well, just uh, another rose. Like another it always has to be a rose, you know. Maybe since two thousand five, that's just been their mandate. That's so dumb. It is dumb, but it could be that could be them. I mean, I I don't want to I don't want to just point our finger at Moffat. Right, and be like, dumb right, right. Moffat. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe he knew he wanted to do this Clara girl, and was just like, okay, she's a Dalek, and blah, blah. and they're like a Dalek. Uh, no, and he's like, okay, she's a girl from the from the Victorian from the, England, Victorian era, and they're like, uh, no, make her modern. And he's like, okay, she's well, a, she's a modern girl, and she's just, you know what? I give up. And then he wrote this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, but at the same time, though, like it's such a juggernaut for the BBC. You'd think that they just give him the keys to the kingdom and let him do whatever he wanted, pretty much. Like, yeah, well, unless like they a, think that the reason it's a juggernaut is because it has a formula, <sighs> and if you break the formula, you break the juggernaut. Who knows? Uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, we don't fair. know, you know. So I don't. I feel. I feel funny. I just. I suddenly felt funny about blaming him for the companion. <laughs> sure. Thing. Yeah. Just because I was like, I was like, I guess that could be a mandate because it's not like it's ever been anything else since it came back, you know. Um, so anyway, but River, I mean, River is technically she's not she's not listed in press releases as the Doctor's companion. That's no. that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, she's like snuck in through the back door, kind of companion. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the Rings of Akaton, which is the uh, first episode. Uh, I guess the first episode aired that is written by Neil Cross because he act- he technically wrote Hyde first, um, and then wrote the Rings of Akaton like l- last minute um, because I think a writer dropped out. He was only going to write Hyde, and they liked it so much. And at the same time, another writer dropped out. I think uh, I want to say Stephen Thompson was going to write another episode. Oh no, a second one. Uh, yeah, right. My reaction to. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and he couldn't do it. So they, they were like, oh, Neil Cross, do you want to write another one? Um, and so he wrote, he whipped this up really quick. Um, the rings of Akaton. Look, I just like the beast below. I have a huge soft spot for any time. Uh, I, I feel like doctor who does big sci-fi worlds. Um, and this one especially is just like, it's just a market with all kinds of creatures. And, and it's like, Every once in a while, you forget that Doctor Who has aliens in it, you know? And then an episode like this shows up, and you're like, oh, man, so many aliens. This is like a real sci-fi show. Um, and it's uh, it's just really refreshing, and uh, I like this. I think it's... I think it's at the same level as Beast Below for me. I think I think Beast Below is a little better, but I really, really love Rings of Akaton. I think it's really cool and uh and yeah you know the ending is a little sappy with the singing and whatnot but i i just think it's so fun uh that i can um i can i can look past that and i think isn't there like there's like some sort of plot issue with the ending if i remember correctly um but i i have a lot of fun watching this one what do you think nick um yeah i have a huge huge soft spot for this episode um it's weird if we're doing like this wouldn't be in my top 10 but this sounds really random, but I actually think Matt Smith's monologue as like the, at the climax of this episode might be like in my top three like moments by the Eleventh Doctor. Mm. I just find for some reason I just find that speech to be incredibly moving, and just kind of reveals so much about the character. I I, I actually think this is I would even put it above the um, the Pandorica opens monologue. That's kind of that's kind of more iconic, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just think I just think that is sort of Matt Smith's one of his defining moments as this character. Uh, so yeah, and then like I, I really like I really enjoy the big space stuff. It's nice. It's nice to get big and spacey. And um, you know this. Sh- Clara doesn't do anything in this episode. I don't know how else. The, I, she, <laughs> she looks at stuff. She looks at stuff and is like, <laughs> is, "Is this the one where it's like, what do you want to see?" And da 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 da. She's like, "Something awesome," and then it just like cuts. Yeah. Like, oh my god, I don't want it. Uh, well, this is always. I mean, again, this is just. I, I think my favorite episodes of any season are the second episodes with a companion because this is always the Doctor's move. Mm-hmm. Is he he takes them to like a crazy awesome like place where you're just like oh look at all the things um yeah it's kind of a ske- does it- it's kind of a really sketchy boyfriend kind of move yeah yeah <laughs> it actually is um look, but, th- but this could happen anytime look I'm, look how yeah. I'm, like you don't ever get out of the tardis you know you'll never know what you miss yeah yeah so he takes her to like uh deep space 9 as a bazaar essentially um and it's uh it's fun i like it a lot Cassandra? Um, this is actually my favorite episode from 7B. Nice. Um, and Series 7 as a whole, actually. Um, and it's in my top 10, uh, wow. just above Town Called Mercy. Yeah, no, I really liked this episode a lot. Um, and I'm really jealous of the writer to just whip this out because this is wonderful. And I want to write like this. Um, I'm so upset that Neil Cross isn't writing an episode for Series 8. He's so good. I, I need to watch Luther. Um, but, no, this this episode pretty much has everything I want out of Doctor Who. It has an emotional through line. It has aliens and crazy big space things. But it's also, like, it's about the Doctor saving this little girl. Pretty much. And, like, I think it's really moving and i i like the sappy singing like Mm -hmm. i i don't know clara doesn't do a whole lot but she's kind of like the like the background like oh we got we we got this we got you it's fine she babysits that little girl yeah and (laughs) she's a babysitter because she's a babysitter (laughs) and i i like the first few minutes where they're attempting to give clara like a backstory i think the um the whole thing with her parents is really cute. Oh, is um, that in this with the leaf? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is good. I really like that. Um, and I like how she ends up saving the day kind of with that leaf. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think that's a really, like, really good, strong moment for her. And the doctor's monologue. And this is so good. Like, this is, this is just like prime Doctor Who for me. Like, this is what, this is why I watch this show pretty much awesome um awesome. also something yeah. i want to i want to i want to note uh that we haven't talked about yet i really really like clara's theme in the score oh yeah, yeah it is good it is really good i just remember it kind of plays a very prominent part in the cold open yeah and then, it's the best part about her yeah best part about her is like when you just hear that music and you're like oh and then you're like oh well <laughs> <laughs> um all right so cold war uh Another another uh, bunting effort from Mark Gatiss. Um, he brings back the Ice Warriors and uh, on a on a submarine and uh, alternate episode title. 
Yeah, ice, ice warrior on a, ice sub- <laughs> on a submarine. Um, with uh, and oh my god, Dave! Like, I'll be honest, this episode's not that good, but David Warner saves it. Oh. Um, David Warner is so good in this as the as the as the guy like just like the little like the old aging hippie guy like on the on the sub. Oh, it's so good. That loves, like, he loves like eighties. Awesome. He loves like eighties synth music. Yes. Oh, David Warner's so good in this. Um, so, uh, so I, I mean, I guess it's 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 whatever. I don't know. I it's it's weird to like take the Ice Warrior out of the armor. Like that's weird because um, that's something that's never happened before and kind of feels like it shouldn't happen. Uh, it felt off to me, and I don't know. It's there are parts of it like i really like the beginning of it but then as it goes i'm just like oh my god is this seriously not over yet like that's sort of how i feel about it um i don't know what do you think nick yeah uh david warner for the win anytime any t- any place uh mm-hmm. freakazoid uh why was that the first thing that uh <laughs> <laughs> you know freakazoid uh yeah <laughs> I you know good on Mark Gatiss for like wanting to maybe reinvent the Ice Warriors you know like it kind of goes back to that Max Landis quote where like how do you kill a vampire any way you want because they're not real like right like, let's take them out of the suit and see what happens and if it doesn't work sure like it doesn't work but I I kind of like stuff like that where they're like eff it let's take them out of the suit you know right um, I will say arguably this is probably Mark Gatiss's best episode yeah it's of Doctor Who it's interesting it goes to it, it the Cold War is a very interesting setting. And you can kind of tell that it's maybe a thing that Mark Gatiss is personally interested in because he he's kind of going out with, with a bit more zest. I yeah. mean, it's still Mark. By the way, whenever we picture Mark Gatiss coming up to bat, he's wearing his Mycroft costume. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. He hits it with the umbrella. Uh, like, <laughs> well, he just like walks off. Yeah, and use it, it walks off using the umbrella as a king. Yeah. Mm, the ice wars, and yeah, and. Um, Clara's a little bit better in this. Like she's she's a little bit more of like a human character. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, oh. And yeah. Oh, poor Clara. And like I kind of like the claustrophobicy nature of it. Um, yeah, it's it's okay. Cassandra, I was really excited about this episode happening because I love the Ice Warriors for no good reason at all, other than. <laughs> They're cool. I think they're cool. Um, And so this episode was, like, super let down on that front because, eh, Mark Gatiss. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's – there's so many good actors just kind of, like, jammed into here and, like, they don't really have anything to do, which is a shame. Um, and it basically just turns into alien on a submarine, which is like with like a, a lizard monster instead of the xenomorph. And eh. it really, it felt like I mean I get what you, what you said, Nick, about it about like good for him for like trying something new with the with the ice warrior, but it's like he tried something so drastically different with the ice warrior that it's just like why is it an ice war sure like, yeah yeah why yeah. not just do a xenomorph like that would I mean, be cool it's obviously yeah. what you're wanting to write it's i mean it's creepy and yeah. it is like i like the creature design um mm-hmm. with like the the talons and that was like 
I'm like, ugh, I was not expecting that to come out of a suit with, like, Lego hands and stuff. Um, <laughs> but, I don't know, I feel like he he tried something so drastic and it just kind of fell flat. Like, the Daleks, like, his Dalek episode, like, oh yeah, let's make him different colors, let's give him different paradigms, like, that's, it's a cool concept, but it just kind of, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No. There's just something about, like, his episodes that just fall flat like consistently but i would say that this is his best so far yeah so hopefully he just kind of like inches up just, I, yeah. the more he writes <laughs> I, I just don't i just want him to never come back um because i don't want him to become showrunner like oh i don't even, even want to oh, think God, about no. that i know i know um i know that there are a lot of uh doctor who fans that are just like yeah he's the guy that should take it over and it's like why because he's mycroft like yeah because he's mycroft because he writes for sherlock i don't get i guess they don't pay attention to the episodes that he actually writes on doctor who um because he has a fundamental misunderstanding of the character (laughs) and of doctor who in general um his vision is uh yeah one of intense boredom um, so, uh, anyway. Alright, so Hyde, uh, the next one by Neil Cross. Uh, this is the, like, 1970s, uh, like, ni- like, 1970s, like, ghost-busting thing. Um, and it's, uh, I, I, this is, I think this is my favorite of the season. Um, I, I love Hyde. I think it's really, really great. And, um, you keep waiting for it to not work and it just totally works for me. Uh, I love it. I love the 1970s, uh, aesthetic. I love that. It's, um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, Nick, what was that movie about, uh, 1970s ghost hunters conjuring? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the conjuring, but doctor who, um, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Like I just, I just love it. It's spooky. And I, I, there's something that I, uh, I also have a really like soft spot for, uh, paranormal stuff like like people like working in the field of of paranormal 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 yeah paranormal (laughs) stuff um i really like that like uh i just i just think it's really cool so uh i i i I really love this episode uh what about you nick um yeah it's it's really really fun and it's really spooky and i really i really hope neil cross is on board episode eight or season eight uh, he's not okay. Well, <laughs> he's not in series eight at all. Sweet. So yeah. no Toby Whithouse, no Neil Cross. Yeah, but new writers. So that's something. yeah. Who knows? New favorites. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the ending to this is like really surprisingly moving. Uh, I remember being like, oh, it was actually this kind of story. That's sweet. And uh, you know, uh, Eleven taking selfies with an old timey camera is really charming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a really solid standalone episode. Again, I couldn't tell you what Clara does. Uh, <laughs> she walks around in hallways a lot. Oh my god, <laughs> Cassandra! I was really impressed with this one. Um, yeah. I hadn't heard a lot either way about this. Uh, um, only that it was like that ghost story one. Um, but yeah, no, it's really good. Neil Cross is really good. Um, it's. I like how we go from like the far future to the eighties to the seventies, mm-hmm. um, and it's cool. It's like a cool use of 
um, I don't know, like the show's format and like the doctor and like the what the TARDIS is able to do. And he brings up like the bubble universes again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, like the concept is really interesting and like the execution is really interesting and everything about it just works for me. All right. Um, so Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, uh, another gem of an episode from Stephen Thompson. <laughs> um, this is a guy that should stop writing for the show because he just doesn't understand what makes the show work. That being said, I feel like he grew up watching the uh, the fifth and sixth Doctor eras because this feels like a fifth Doctor episode. Um, just like the idea of you have like those junkers and you really like kind of get to know the junkers um, <laughs> in a way that you do in classic who like you just you get to know yeah. like the random extra characters um, to the point when when they leave, you're just like, oh, oh, right. Because they're not really are actually part of the show. <laughs> um, and that was that was a whole like during the fifth and sixth Doctor era. Like that's every episode is like that. Um, and RTD, to be fair. Yeah, but to, but not in the same way. Sure. Like it's hard to explain. Okay. Yeah. Um, what what exactly I mean, but like, because because it's because they're still two dimensional, you know. <laughs> but like you, but you still like get to know them. Whereas like Russell D Davies, like you kind of like get to know just their fears and everything. <laughs> like in every, like every character. Um, so like I I like the idea of the junkers, and I like that it's that that they make it feel a little throwbacky, but. God, if you're gonna if you're gonna explore the TARDIS, at least make it interesting. My God, what a waste of that title! Oh, it's such a cool title. Like in in a in a season of stories that are all supposed to be uh, sexy titles, sexy movie poster titles. No story has a sexier title than Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. And, oh, Not a single one is better. And center spelt with that e at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's better than that. Um, it's so good and. Uh, Stephen Thompson just drops the ball, um, as I'm sure he will in his uh, Series 8 episode, which also has a really sexy title. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a bummer. It's just a bummer. At least Clara has stuff to do. That's something, I guess. She, she kind of, like, runs the show, right, in this episode? Yeah. If I remember correctly. Nick, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's just, it's just such a bummer because you only get one shot at Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. And I remember that was the, you know, when they revealed all the episode titles, we were like, ooh, oh, man, what's that going to be, you know? And then it just kind of, <laughs> I don't know why it became Michael Rooker, but. So many uh, Nick Jimenez uh, accents. Too. Yeah, you're getting the full, the full Monty. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a bad episode. It just is just really disappointing considering what it's about. Um, right. Especially, I, the doctor's wife does a much better job of exploring the center of the TARDIS than this does. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a real sweet metaphor, Nick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, and like Jenna Coleman is getting the hang of it. I mean, I don't doubt she's a talented actress. I just really regret how how paper thin Clara is as a character. Yeah. And you know, there's more dumb stuff about like. You know, you're impossible, and you're a riddle, and you can blah, 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 blah. And I just, nothing's worse than a season-long mystery you don't care about the ending of. Yeah. Because I remember even the crack in the wall, I was like, what's that? Remember when we thought it was the, um, it was the big zoo? 
what's that big we, we thought the, the pandorica what was it called like the what's that big zoo with all the creatures in it I don't know. Anyway, I remember there was like what? a theory. Sorry, tangent. Yeah, so huh. this is like this is like a solid four out of ten for me. Huh. All right, Cassandra. Uh, this episode, I. It's one of those ones where I just don't even care. Like it's in my bottom ten. I didn't really. I don't know. I don't know. It was just disappointing. Because it is such a cool title, like, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. Like, well, I will say it's better than, like, running around corridors from, like, Invasion of Time from, like, the Fourth Doctor. Um, but... That's just... They just found an, an abandoned yeah, they building found, like, and a, shot at it. Like Ed Wood. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is the TARDIS, you guys. This is what it looks like. It looks, it like, a looks like a warehouse out yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> With, like, a swimming pool. Yeah. Um... But I will say, like, they tried, but it just, everything about this, like, if Rings of Akaten is why I watch Doctor Who, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS is why I don't Mm. care about, I don't know. It's just, like, textbook, like, I don't, um, everything I'm not interested in Mm -hmm. about this show is, like, like, I don't care about the Junkers, I don't care, and I thought, like, it was actually like really, I don't know. How do I? Just when the episode's giving you nothing, there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Really exactly. Yeah. 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 Eh, yeah. I don't like this one. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, the Crimson Horror. Uh, another 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 bunting effort from Mark Davis. I <laughs> <Jeez>, got two. <laughs> yep. They gave him two uh, in like six episodes. Yeah. Well, they gave they gave to be fair they give gave Chibnall two in five episodes. So uh, this, um, this kind of goes back to what I what I talked to earlier about just when there's a weak bullpen, the season suffers. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, Gatiss and uh, Saul Metstein is back to uh, to give us the further adventures of the Why Are We Here Brigade. Um, and their most and, Why Are We Here. Yeah, because this is sort of a Doctor Light episode. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, it's just like Clara and the why are we why are we here brigade like just chilling, solving a mystery, talking about There's the a, talking about the doctor. Yeah, they're talking about the doctor a lot and how cool he is, but also complicated. <laughs> don't want to forget that he's he's a complicated man, that doctor. Um, but we all love him, but he's he's complicated. We have to excuse everything that he does because he's so cool. Yeah. Um. Yep, I got nothing for this. Honestly, like it's so forgettable. Like I'm, I I remember, I remember a scene where people are running down a hallway, and I remember the creepy little fetus monster, <laughs> um, which is creepy and fetus like. That's and I, I I seem to remember some sort of like rocket ship or something. Yeah, yeah, the rocket ship. Yeah. Something I don't know. The doctor. That's dumb. The doctor. Oh yeah, people get sick with like red disease, right? Yeah, the doctor. And, and the doctor gets infected for like a long, right, for like that's... a long period of time, like a, a couple months, I remember. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why I was I I, I was referring to it as a doctor light. Oh, right. like barely in it. Yeah, but um, not good. Not 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 good. Uh, a a uh, uh, a surprisingly dull bunting from Mark Gatiss. Um, <laughs> 
I wouldn't be surprised if somebody threw him out before he got to the first base. Nick, <laughs> before my meta- my baseball <laughs> metaphors get out of control. No, yeah, I, I can easily just see him in his trailer just typing this out in between like shots for Sherlock. Yeah. Say, Mark, you need it on, uh, on lot 10? Oh, right. Let me just... Red thing, period. And... <laughs> <laughs> and then he then he doesn't think about it, and then he comes back from shooting Sherlock, and he's like, all right, the red thing. And yeah, I don't know. I just I can't imagine this episode took a lot of effort or thought. Um, it's just, it's, you know, when you have these abbreviated seasons, like, when you're only getting five or six, you can't, what are you doing? What are you doing wasting time like this, you know? Yeah. It's Doctor Who. You should be, every episode should be just like a smorgasbord of story and content and wonder and like you know and if that sounds selfish then i'd rather have people trying to do that even if they don't knock it out of the park every time than just not doing anything it's like i could be watching law and order you know what i mean if if i want like just mediocre tv you know yeah it's true cassandra um the best part about this episode is easily diana rig as crazy old lady yeah Mm. um she no, I oh my goodness! Yeah. I was like, is is that is that Grandma Terrell? And it totally is. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. It's it is very dull to start, and I was like, I don't know. But the last fifteen minutes, kind of everything kind of coheses in a way that I wasn't expecting, and it gets like crazy because there's like a rocket ship and there's like weird leech fetus and. Uh, it's it's weird and kind of kooky and I don't know. I liked it more than Journey to the Center of Tardis of the Tardis. Yeah, but, that's true. Uh, it's it's not great, but I guess it's like I don't know. It was it was fairly enjoyable, but mostly for Diana Rigg. <laughs> right, uh, Nightmare and Sil- Silver from our other Neil writer of the season, Neil Gaiman. His, uh, his follow-up to The Doctor's Wife. Um, and it's, it is not as good. Uh, I think that it's really fun. And I, like, oh my god, the, the idea of a, of, a, of a amusement park episode, like a galactic amusement park episode of Doctor Who is just like, I was, I was just like, I was shaking, I was just shuddering in, a, in anticipation for this episode um, when I saw the trailer for it uh, at the end of Crimson Horror. And, uh, but you know, it's, uh, the Cybermen and they claim to redesign them. And I was like, okay, well, I do like the redesign better, but it's, it doesn't make them any better. And they're like, oh, but we'll make them more interesting because now they adapt to things. Okay. (laughs) I guess. Thanks. I don't know. It just doesn't. I just want them to bring back 10th planet. Cybermen. That's what I've decided. Um, oh my god! I just want them to bring those ones back because uh, these these new Who Cybermen are just so bland mm-hmm. um, and just so obviously people in suits that it, it like if you're gonna do people in suits, like own it. Like let's see parts of the people left over. I don't know. That's what makes the tenth Doctor or the tenth uh, planet uh, Cybermen so good. Um, is that you can still see that there's like parts of the humans that were used to make the Cybermen, like you can still see parts of them. Um, and it's creepy and it works and it's awesome. And, uh, I don't know. This is dumb. I don't, I upgrades stupid. Uh, 
but I do like uh, the Doctor. I do. Lo- I love Matt Smith working off of himself. Uh, he's really good at that. Um, but uh, really, really kind of a disappointment after uh, the Doctor's Wife. But I, I did. I, I do. I think it's really entertaining and everything. And and you know, if I look at it on its own, I just don't remind myself that it's written by Neil Gaiman. Like it is a really good episode and easily one of the best of the season. Um, but the fact that it's Neil Gaiman, I just expected more. Uh, this is like, this is, this is Neil Gaiman's version of bunting and accidentally hitting third. Like that's <laughs> because he's Neil Gaiman. He's just better. Uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, what, what, what about you, Nick? Yeah, no, I think like taken like on its own merit, it's like really great. But then it's just like, if you think about the you know what came before it it's like a little bit disappointing but uh but yeah no like there's a lot of imagination uh it's spooky and yeah no i'm actually a really big fan of this episode yeah they were gonna make clara a babysitter they should have had those kids in every episode i like the kids yeah i like the kids too what about you cassandra um i thought the kids were like the weakest part of this actually but I heard somewhere that this was originally conceived as a two-parter and it makes a lot of sense that like I feel like it would have been much better as a two-parter so we could like get to know the kids more and get to know like all the side characters more Mm, um that makes sense I like that yeah no I I'm pretty sure like it was originally supposed to be a two-parter and then they just mashed it into an episode which is why which kind of explains like all of my issues with it um, I do love Matt Smith as Gollum. Just like, <laughs> it's just Cyber cyber Doctor versus the Doctor. Like, And I like the chessboard imagery, mm-hmm. too. Um, it's very Seventh Doctor. Um, I don't know. It was, it's enjoyable, but it is a letdown after like the impossibly good thing that is Doctor's Wife. Mm-hmm. So... All right, so that brings us to the finale of uh, 7B with the name of the Doctor, and I am fully aware I will probably be in the minority in this, but I really love this episode. Um, I don't know what it is, but every time, I, like everyone has, that I know tells me it's a bad episode, and every time I watch it, I, I don't understand where they're getting it from, because um, I really think it's good. And I, I actually think that, uh, surprisingly, Moffat um, brought... The whole Clara impossible girl thing around to a place that I was like, okay, fair enough. And I, you know, not to like a mind blowing way where I was just like, oh my God, that's so good. But I was just like, all right, fair. I, you know, I just kind of like, I was like, all right, that's, that works. That works for me. I don't know. This episode just works for me. And like every, every part of it, even the, even the, why are we here brigade? Um, <laughs> they, they kind of work for me in this too. Uh, episode just works for me. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have an explanation um, because it seems like no one else likes it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Nick, what did you think? Yeah, there's a really cool part where you thought a couple, a couple of them were going to die, but then they kind of just bailed on it. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't, I don't hate this. It's definitely, it definitely, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, an apology for wedding of river song mm-hmm. where it's, it, and, and angels take Manhattan to a yeah, definitely. Extent. Where it's kind of like, yeah, like we're gonna answer all the questions, and you know, I, I'm just a big, I, I really, really enjoy the reveal of why it's called the name of the Doctor. Yes, I think that's a really powerful, like, oh yeah, and then, you know, uh, the introduction of one of my favorite characters in the New Who mythos, uh, the War Doctor. Yeah, and the return of uh, the Great Intelligence. 
Yeah. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's I think it's really really solid. Um, Cassandra. Um. Apparently, I'm in the minority here. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't expecting Nick to like it as much as he did. No, I don't. I I don't. Huh? I don't like I don't like this episode. Um. I thought it was a little better than Good Man Goes to War. Um. But I might need to watch it again because I've only seen it the once. Um. No, I. I was born to save the dog. No, sh- no stop. That, just- that sucks. <laughs> that, that's, um, that, I don't like that. It's like, that's just an excuse for, like, not creating a character. I was born to be a plot device. <laughs> no. Like, okay. It's kind of like, <laughs> okay. it's kind of like, you can't call her a, I, I was going to say worthless, but you can't call her a weak character because of plot. You know what I mean? It's like they rescue her, yeah. they rescue her with plot. So that way, yeah. if you're like, oh, well, like, Clara doesn't matter as a companion, which she so far doesn't, but then the fandom can be like, no, she was born to save the Doctor. She's the most important girl of the universe. Even more so than, like, Donna and Martha and Rose and Sarah Jane and, you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, kind, of a, yeah. it's kind of offensive a little bit. Like, I don't know. Um, I, I like the idea of her being scattered in the time vortex. Like, I thought that was really cool, but I don't like her being like spliced into the doctor's timeline just, like, she was so the one forcibly. that saved the doctor from himself in dragonfire oh my god so like funny. good lo- like oh my god no nick you don't you don't know but like there was it's, a cliffhanger in dragonfire where the doctor walks over to a cliff this is the uh, this is this is the seventh doctor mm-hmm. um, sylvester mccoy he walks over to a cliff looks down at it and then climbs over the railing on the cliff and then starts to lower himself down and then goes, oh, no, I'm falling. And then that was the <laughs> So it's like him <laughs> hanging by his umbrella off the railing for a problem that he got himself into for literally no reason. Like, no one understands why he went over the railing. Yeah. No one. <laughs> literally no one. Not even the people who worked on the show. No one understands that cliffhanger. They just needed a cliffhanger. So they made it a literal cliffhanger and called it a day. And that's the clip that they use in this when she sees the Seventh Doctor, and it's so funny. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I I forgot about that with good reason. Um, <laughs> no, I I don't I don't like this, and it's I it's like it's Moffat's prerogative to make his characters and his like story arcs like the most important with like big capital letters and underlined and mm-hmm. um and it's so I'd rather it be organic but it's so like ham fisted it's just like oh yeah just she just shows up in the doctor's timeline she's always been there it's cool um yeah I, I mean I, I understand that but like at the same time it's not like I just don't, I don't, I don't, I can't call BS on it. Cause like he come up, he, I thought he felt, I felt like he came up with a good reason for it sure. to be a yeah. thing where it's like, yeah, there's like this, here's his lifeline and she jumps into the lifeline thing and, and that's how she did it. And I, and I just, I find that it all worked for me and, but like, it's also the, the other reason I don't have a massive problem with it is like. Yeah, Claire is a plot device, and we could talk about that all day, <laughs> um, and I'm sure we will. But, <laughs> but 
I I also can't help but like look at the title of this episode and look back at series seven and realize that series seven and especially this episode is all about the doctor. Um, so at that point, I just am kind of like, well, it's not really about her. Um, and I kind of just like roll with it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because I know it's a problem, and I but but for whatever reason, I think I and maybe part of it is just that I just really want to like the show. Yeah. <laughs> um. But but uh, I don't know. It just works for me for some reason. Um. But I like can't I don't it. know if it's about the doctor though. Like why why even have Clara along for the ride? Because it's not like she does anything outside of this episode. Like you know, it's she's just another like. She's just another curiosity. Well, and, I think like, it's all right. I'm I'm gonna I'm really gonna dig deep here. Uh, okay. So apologies, everyone. I think it's a meta commentary on the relationship of a do- of a doctor and a companion. A companion is always there to save the doctor. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Like that's yeah. It's not really about her. Um, it's about the nature of Doctor Who as a show. Yeah. No, I I understand what you're saying, but like, I no, and I, I get the frustration. Like, I totally get it, and I'm not like trying to defend yeah. the fact that I like the episode. I'm just trying to explain myself. I no, guess. no, I understand. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. I everyone has that episode that just works for them. And that dinosaurs on a spaceship. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, this is not my cup of tea, and it's very frustrating like i come at it from a place of frustration but if it works for you that's totally fine like i'm not like gonna jump on you and be like oh you suck and don't know what you're talking about because whatever how could you like this what's wrong with you right right um but i don't it just (sighs) good things good things good things um i do like the idea of the doctor having a final resting place though um, and I like the whole, um, like exploring through the tomb thing. Um, I like River in this. I never thought I would like River <laughs> I always again. I River's in this. Um, but I like that she kind of shows up and I do think that their moment is like touching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's weird that it's like post library River though. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> All right, so so technically the next thing we're supposed to talk about is the the day of the doctor, but um, I want to allow uh, Cassandra and to a lesser extent, I'm sure Nick, um, the time to uh, gush about the night of the doctor, which was the uh, the mini episode that featured the eighth doctor's regeneration, um, which is uh, so good, uh, so good, and makes Big Finish audio stuff uh, canon, which is insane. Uh, Cassandra. I, oh my God, give me more Palm again. Give me more Palm again, everything. Like he showed up and I, like I squeaked. I was just like, oh my God. Did you know that Um, he was going to be in it? I knew that he was going to be in it. I didn't realize it was like about him. Oh, Um, okay. And it's, oh my God. I'm so sad that all he got was the movie. Yeah. Because he's so he, he gets he's a, such he a good gets doctor. a first story and a last story. Yeah, which I mean it's better than just a first story, I guess. 
that's that's true with like <laughs> terrible gooey snake master um yeah. but i i don't actually like the concept of a war doctor um and i i think i'm also in the minority of this mm. but i don't i don't i love john hurt but i i don't like the idea of a war doctor like why didn't you just make him again McGann could have been your war doctor. Um, I'm it, uh, well, I mean, it could have been McGann and it could have been Eccleston. Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah, we'll yeah. Hey, hey, um, he's not here. <laughs> he um, made, he I, made oh his choice. <laughs> I love that they brought back those like crazy witches from like Brain of Morbius, though. Oh, like, it's such so an obscure cool. reference. I love I it. I was like, oh, those guys. And my boyfriend was like, what are you talking about? And I was just like, shh, just watch Paul McGann be magic. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. It just makes me want to like download all the big, big finish stuff and just listen, like binge on it. But I like don't have time. Yeah, I've been that. I've been re-listening to all of it. And it's so good. Yeah. Uh, and, now it it, and now it matters. It's real. Yeah. Oh, God. He was made to be, like, the Doctor, and I'm so sad that all he got was that movie. And I mean, like, Night of the Doctor's so good. Yeah. But it's only, like, five minutes, which makes me really sad, too. Yeah, they should do another, like, two Doctors thing, and it just be, like, him and... and uh, oh, my God. And Capaldi. Like, that'd be the best. Can Paul McGann be, like, the companion? Can it just be, like, a paradox, and it's just, like, two <laughs> Doctors in the TARDIS the whole time? <laughs> Uh, Nick, I know you don't have uh, as much of uh, anything with uh, with the Eighth Doctor, but what did you think of Night of the Doctor? No, I was really happy for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll move on to the Day of the Doctor. Well done. Uh, oh, my the God. The Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary special written by Stephen Moffat, directed by uh, Nick Huron. And uh, the War Doctor and Gallifrey and the and the Time War and Tenth Doctor, Eleventh Doctor, and everything, um, and uh, uh, those one dudes, uh, the creatures. Uh, they don't matter. Oh, Zygons. Zygons. Zy- that's it. Zygons. I knew it was a Z, a Z, and I but I just kept wanting to call them cucumbers. David Tennant's favorite <laughs> uh, favorite creature. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so. So. Yeah. I um I think it's really really fun and I think it's really really well done. I do think the fact that it's John Hurt and not Christopher Eccleston hurts it because um, I think I I honestly think it was written for Christopher Eccleston in mind because um, I because it makes sense that if you're gonna make an anniversary special with New Who, you bring back the three New Who doctors. Um, yeah, no kidding. That makes yeah. sense to me. So I imagine that this this is the story that Moffat pitched. Uh, to Eccleston at uh, dinner that day. Um, mm-hmm. And Eccleston was like, well, that kind of takes away from everything that I did as the doctor. Like, my whole performance is kind of null and void. And he's like, well, no, no, because you don't remember at the end. And I imagine Christopher Eccleston just, like, slowly backing away and leaving the restaurant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and doing Thor 2 instead. Yeah. yeah, right. Now, this um, is drama. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, I... Uh, I, I have I have issues with it in, in that like I, I it does bug me that it's it's John Hurt and not Paul McGann or 
or uh, Eccleston. But at the same time, the John Hurt of it all allows uh, Matt Smith's doctor to be the final doctor, um, which is sort of like the whole linchpin in the story of his regeneration and time of the doctor. Um, so I think it's like, I think it's for the best ultimately. Um, but I do think having like a brand new character in this takes away from it feeling special to me. Um, I also think that David Tennant had a lot of fun stuff to do, but ultimately it felt a little slight, um, to me. It's all like, it's always like him and the 11th doctor felt very slighted in this story. Um, cause it really just felt like the story of the war doctor, which is fair, but not really what you want from a 50th anniversary special, at least not, not, not to me. Um, but I think ultimately, like it was, it was fun and a celebration, and it was, a, it was just like a nice romp. And uh, the the thing with the setting the sonic screwdriver to program something, and the, and so that it's done by the time it gets to the eleventh Doctor is a really cool uh, bit of uh, Bill and Ted uh, <laughs> like logic. Um, so I really like that. Uh, Cassandra didn't laugh because she probably has never seen the Bill and Ted movies. Um, I have not. Yeah. But uh, the joke in I Bill and Ted is uh, they're like, well, after we're done here, because they have a time machine. So they'll be like, well, after we're done here, we're going to set a trap right above you. And then a trap drops. Uh, and like, that's how they get out of every situation. <laughs> it's like, funny. we'll take care of it later. <laughs> and time travel. Um, wild so, stallions. Uh, yeah. Uh, wild stallions. Exactly. <laughs> um, we're going to go and. Right after this, we'll go learn guitar for 30 years, and we'll show up, and we'll be awesome. And then they show up as 30-year-old <laughs> versions of themselves, and they are awesome. Yeah. Um, Where's Station? Why can't Station be in Doctor Who? <laughs> station. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I do quite like the episode, but I don't, I don't think I love it as much as everyone else does. Um, I don't know. But but then I seem to have a weird opinion of these last three episodes uh, than most people, so I don't know. Oh, uh, Cassandra, what, what did you think of Day of the Doctor? Um, it it's it's really unfortunate that it is like the fiftieth because it isn't like a big deal. Um, I thought it was interesting that Moffat chose to tell another like Gallifrey returning story even though we've already, like, seen one of those um, from Russell T. Um, So I think it's interesting that we get to see his take on that whole concept. Um, I I enjoy, like, I always enjoy, like, the Doctor interacting with himself. Um, So, like, it was really fun to see David Tennant and Matt Smith work off of each other um, and interact with each other and kind of run around and be silly and be the doctor again. Um, I, I actually like Billy Piper in this. Um, she is really she's good. Like, she's like a female Jack Sparrow kind of vibe going for her. And I, I dig it. Um, but I don't, she, and I think she, she became a much better actress. Yes. Like she went off and did a bunch of like challenging stuff and she came mm-hmm. back and now she's a really good actress. Um, um, I was I was like kind of blown away by her performance. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I like that she is like 
I, I like the idea of a weapon having a conscience and making you, like, see the consequences of your actions mm-hmm. and, like, kind of, like, it's like, it's like, it's very Christmas Carol, like, you know, here's, here's what's gonna happen yeah. if you do this. Um, but man, I just such a letdown that it's not Eccleston. Like, it'd be so, those scenes would be so much more meaningful with Eccleston there. Yeah. With Billy Piper, yeah, like, exactly. acting off of, Yeah. Before he um, met her, like, oh right. my god. Um, yeah, but I mean, whose fault is that? I'm... Right, it's Eccleston. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, I don't know. I'm really sad that he's not in this, and that like none. Well, I wouldn't say none because like Tom Baker. I forgot about Tom Baker's. Oh my god. He's. Oh my god. What, what did he... what did time do to him? Why is <laughs> why is he like that? He's so old. <laughs> He's like eighty he's so something. Well, that's what I was gonna sauce. say actually about uh, David Tennant in this is like, oh man, you can tell time passed because yeah. he got older. Wow, um, he does. He was like he was like missing a little bit of his spunk, and he has a lot. His his crow's feet are a lot deeper than they were when he left. I think it's I think it's a good touch though because like it's supposed to be like it pulls him out of the time stream like right before end of time. Right. Um. So I'm like, oh man. Uh. I don't know. It's it's good, but it's not like what I wanted from yeah. a fiftieth. Like, yeah, it's it's a cool story, but it's not like a like an adequate celebration of like fifty years of like this television show. You know, so. But then you know you really you think about it, and it's like, well, what would have been? I don't know. Yeah, that's. Yes. I mean, like everything probably would have been lackluster because it's like 50 years maybe we'll get another uh, anniversary special next year for uh 10 years since new who that'd be that'd be good i'd be for it yeah <laughs> i'd be for yeah. it but i just... don't but i don't i don't like encouraging like the separation you know no i know just like just like throwing an episode like just in the regular season you know yeah yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I just mean. like a two doctors kind of thing yeah just like as yeah. like just an episode mid-season um would be, yeah, that's fair. That'd be fun. I don't know. Yeah, Nick, what are, what are your thoughts on the fiftieth anniversary? Oh special? man, I love, I loved, I love Day of the Doctor so much. Hmm. Uh, this is kind of this this episode is the reason I am still watching Doctor Who. Uh, wow, because I was I was ready to clock out after after uh, Name of the Doctor, where I was just like, okay, that was good. I'm I'm I think I'm I think I'm done. I don't think I like what the show is anymore. And then, you know, Day of the Doctor happened. I'm like, well, I gotta watch this. And then I was like, oh my god, I love this show so much. And, uh, uh, man, everything that they designed to hit you in the heart totally hit me in the heart. Um, I I love... I think it it, it does the... I think it tips the hat to old Who, but then it also does something even more important, in my opinion, which galvanizes new Who. And, you know, we walk out of the show with a new engine. Um, I hope I hope it's an engine that they that they you know rev up again in series eight, but it gives the Doctor hope and a mission again, and mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, yeah, I, Tenet is a supporting player in this. It, it's not Ten's story, um, but you know the fact that he's there and that he's still got it more or less is really fun. And you know just seeing uh, you know from an acting standpoint, just seeing Matt Smith and David Tennant bounce off each other, and then John Hurt come in and be like the straight man is just so great. Uh, I love John Hurt's performance as the War Doctor. 
Uh, I agree that it would it would mean more if it was Eccleston or even McGann. But as an as an independent new character, he I think he fits right in, and he just brings gravitas and just like the I don't know the 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 the, the twist of it of look look what you become is so interesting when he's just like looking at ten and eleven and he's like oh my god you're you're children is this mm-hmm. and then you're like oh because and there's this great line with Billy Piper who a, a thousand percent agreed I think she was terrific in this. Um, is like, look, you know, you become the man who remembers, and then Eleven's the man who forgets. And it really kind of puts Eleven in a perspective where you're almost kind of more sympathetic of why, you know, oh, like, I think Eleven is, because, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about the Matt Smith era. Um, I think the Matt Smith, I think Eleven was just the doctor's kind of awkward, gross midlife crisis. <laughs> where it's like, look, I've still got it. I'm young. I hang out with the kids. I wear fezzes. Look at me. And then Day of the Doctor was sort of, him being like, no, I'm not. I, what? A, oh my God, what have I been doing? I, I need to. And then he's he's rewarded at the end, where he's given a new hope. And you know, crazy Tom Baker is great. Uh, in his one in his one scene, it's so odd and strange, and there's no context, and you don't need it because it's just such a subtle, lovely little final hug. And you know, Gallifrey falls no more. I think that was a really earned moment. Where it, did, mm-hmm. it didn't feel cheap. It was like, oh yeah, Gallifrey falls no more. How could that? How come I didn't see that immediately? And uh, yeah, I, I I bought this hook, line, and sinker, and I love it. Nice. It's also our first image of Capaldi. Is the twelfth? Oh, I love that moment. Yeah, the Capaldi eyes. No, sir, all thirteen. <laughs> um, and that brings us to the final episode of the Matt Smith era, the time of the Doctor. Um, which I'm just going to go ahead and throw down the gauntlet of the three of the doctors, the of the doctor trilogy. Uh, this is my favorite. Um, and I know most people don't like this episode and, uh, that's, that's okay. Um, I, I, uh, again, this is another thing where it's like, I, I like this way more than night of the doctor or, or yeah. Night of the doctor. No name of the doctor. I always get those two mixed up. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I know that a lot of people, um, dismiss this episode and they're just like oh uh matt smith deserved better and than, than an outing like this and i just look at it and i'm like i don't i don't i don't get it i guess like w- like what could you possibly want more from the uh, the the exit of the 11th doctor than this crazy ridiculously huge story that is the time of the doctor because that's who the 11th doctor is that's who he's ever always been anything else i feel like would have been a betrayal to the character i think that this is everything that we'd been setting up like everything kind of like ties together in like this amazing way like you know you have the crack and the question and Gallifrey and Trenzalore and the silence and silence will fall and like all of that stuff is all tied up into this one episode in I feel a very impressively neat way um it's very tidy like it just he like Moffat really ties the bow for me uh, at this, at the end of this, to the point where a lot of the stuff, like the the non-character stuff, but like a lot of the plot stuff that I was always like, okay, where is this going? Where is this going? To see where it ended now, I feel like it retroactively makes a lot of it better in my head um, because now I know like, oh, look, even if there wasn't a plan um, in place, uh, it ended up working out 
Um, cause I, I, I think it all comes together really, really well here. And I love the idea of like the doctor just like, age, like aging on that, uh, in that town, uh, for like 500 years. Like it's so, oh, it's so good and sad and just awesome. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love all of that. I also love just like little things like the fact that the 11th doctor began as an Im- imaginary friend and ends as an imaginary boyfriend. Like that just makes me. That just makes me giggle. Um, and, uh, you know, I, the one thing that I don't like is the, um, the naked gag, uh, at the beginning, like the first act naked gag that just never ends. Um, not, not a fan of that. Uh, but other that, that's like going to like a comedy level that I'm just like, "Mm, this show is too good for that. Let's not, let's not do that. Um, felt very lowest common denominator. I love handles the Cybermen head. That's so great. So great. Just the pet side. Oh, it's so sad. And like, it reminds him of the thing before it dies. Oh, it's so good. Um, (laughs) And then, uh, and then I do have a thing with mother superior. Here's the thing. When we were talking in, um, in uh, 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 let's kill Hitler about tying up the story of river song so that, you know, every little bit of her, I think the biggest uh, downfall of that is the fact that mother superior isn't river song. Um, like just another regeneration of River Song because we know that she's not. She can't be because we've seen all of the River Songs. So we know that this can't be her. And yet I look at this and I'm like, this is obviously supposed to be River Song. Like, how is this not River Song? Like, this is dumb. Like, and she even says things where she's like, uh, to, she says that line where she's like, driving the TARDIS is easy. It was driving the doctor that I never got the hang of. And I was like, you're supposed to be River Song. Like, that's a River Song line. You're supposed to be River Song. This is dumb. Why aren't you River Song? And it's just because he freaking tied the everything up too much with the River Song thing and didn't leave it open so that, you know, we could look at Mother Superior and fans could fandom could just be like, oh, yeah, that's probably River Song. Like, I don't want them to want her to just be River Song. Like, I want her to be Mother Superior, but I want to have that option for fandom to be like, maybe she's River Song. Um, because I think that she's supposed to be, but there's no possible way she could be, um, unless somewhere down the line, River Song gets, uh, regenerations, I guess. But we know that that's not possible because she doesn't even have a body. Um, so it's dumb. Uh, and I love the, uh, the callback of the theme, what I would consider the theme of the 11th Doctor, which is, and the whole 11th Doctor era, which is never tell me the rules because la la la, I'm not listening. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's, that's, and, and, you know, that's what happens with the, with the regeneration cycle. He gets a new one and it's like, never tell me the rules. And it's so good. It's so good. Like it, I it just feel like the time of the doctor is everything that the 11th doctor set out to do and and just like at the end of the day like i get to the end of the time of the doctor and i just feel so satisfied um in a way that i i i'm always surprised every time i watch it because i've seen time of the doctor like three or four times now and every time i watch it i'm just like so surprised at how satisfying it is for me um and there are things in it that i'm like ah that i don't i don't really like that like i don't like the naked thing and i don't particularly like that last scene with him and Clara and the TARDIS. Like it feels a little, it feels too written. Um, and I don't like, uh, I don't like Amy showing up again when it's just like, "Mm, no, 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 
Let's not do that. So, like, if I could just, like, re-edit it, I would just cut all that out. Um, I, I thought I thought it would have been really just, like, just, like, really gutsy if, like, coming up the, the TARDIS steps, it had just been Capaldi and you don't actually see uh, him regenerate. Like, I would have been like, that's gutsy. But now we get this <laughs> sort of, like, super written uh, goodbye of the, the 11th Doctor and eating the... The, the fish fingers and custard and all of that. Um, but we do get that great line where he's like, you know, uh, like she was like, but you're the doctor. And he's like, and I always will be Ugh, so good. So good. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, I am interested to hear what you guys have to say. Cause I don't think I know uh, your opinions of either. it. I know Cassandra, I'll let you go first. Cause I know you were not impressed about halfway through. So I don't know if it won you over or not. Um, well, because we were talking earlier about, like, whether or not this era was a success, and I think that going by this episode, yes, it is, because it does tie up everything, like, surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, I was impressed with the way he was able to maneuver all of these, like, loose ends... Um, like I, I had completely forgotten about the crack and then it showed up again and I was like, Oh, Hey, Hey there. <laughs> oh, there's series what's... five. Hi. Yeah. It's like, Oh, How hey, what's doing? going on? Um, <laughs> um, I, I like the silence showed up and I was like, Oh, here we go again. Like all blah, blah, blah. But like it actually, it worked. Um, mm-hmm. which I was very surprised by. I, out of the three of, like, this weird little trilogy, um, I enjoyed Day of the Doctor more, um, but Time of the Doctor is, like, second place. It's, like, solidly in the middle, um, and it, it, it's not, it's not what I am looking for out of like a, a Doctor Who episode, but it certainly is. It, it encapsula- encapsulates everything about this era. Like it's it's like a celebration of like the Stephen Moffat era in a way because it encapsulates everything that he's about, um, which isn't my bag all the time. But it it was very it was very tidy and it was very neat and I like. I like seeing the Doctor age, and I liked seeing the Doctor, like, kind of stay put for a while, because it's, like, the antithesis of what he's... Because he's always talking about how he's running, 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 like, constantly running, and here we see the time, like, the time the Doctor, like, stood still. Um, And, yeah, I like it. And it's interesting that, like, canonically, like, if you think about it, because he ages, like, what... He spends, like, what, 600... 500 600 years on this planet yeah something like that um and he spends like those 200 years that we don't get to see like running around um so he like doubles his life as the doctor so he spends like the most time as the doctor as matt smith Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting because like tying back to that line like you're the doctor and i always will be like it's it's cool and i like how I hesitate to use the word subtle, but it is kind of subtle the way Moffat went about, like, trying to make his doctor the most important, because now he's spent the longest time as Matt Smith. 
pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 solid. Um, it's in my bottom ten, but only just barely because of like the placement of things. Like that's how it worked out. Um, but I don't know. It 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 has its moments, which I wasn't expecting. Um, so I. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good wrapping up of this era, certainly. Um, and Capaldi's like last, Capaldi's like minute that we get to see is like super exciting because now we have a brand new Doctor, and I'm really excited about the show again. Um, oh, it's so exciting. But yeah, it's no. so exciting. And I it's, have a theory about him not knowing how to drive the TARDIS, which is that uh, where he's just like, "How do you fly this thing?" And 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 everyone's just like, "Oh, because." Uh, regeneration uh uh you know he doesn't remember like amnesia or whatever and i'm just like what if it's just that he hasn't driven it in like 600 years right so he just forgot he just forgot Um, that's what i was thinking this time i was watching it through and i was like it's been 600 years i don't know that i would remember how to drive a car after 600 years. yeah i like that that's funny yeah i don't know nick yeah um I I just I really love this episode and I kind of have to give it up to Stephen Moffat. I think that this is kind of his free bird. Uh Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. I like that. You're, yeah. You're just like, "Oh my god, you you." Yeah. And you know, like it's it's a fairy tale. It's mm-hmm. it's a good fairy tale. I I like Cassandra said I really enjoy the um I, I really admire that he sort of the doctor ended his life sitting still. Uh, I really liked that his his last adventure was kind of a long, gloryless act of heroism. Because you know his his run was sort of defined by like being big and important and swinging off of a rope and you know rescuing the princess. And in this one, it's like no, I'm just gonna quietly hold the line for 600 years, and mm-hmm. it's only ever gonna matter to these people. But it's it's gonna matter. And I don't know. I just I have to, you know, that Christmas when I just when it was over, I just kind of leaned back and being like, oh, son of a bee, like he really did it. Um, yeah. You know the the you know the 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 Amy Pond monologue is just the most pandering. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I do I, I would prefer it if it was just Capaldi, and then but it's shot the same way, and he kind of holds a stare, and then he just the music stops, and then he just lists his grievances with the Eleventh Doctor for like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you did what? And then like it doesn't stop. <laughs> Get out of here. Who are you? <laughs> Clara? Oh man. I, I do I love the the idea though, uh you know, talking about Amy and how everyone loves Lamy. I do love the idea. Lamy. <laughs> that uh, Lamy. <laughs> that <laughs> I do love the idea that uh, it's because of Amy that the the twelfth Doctor has a Scottish accent. Aw, that's sweet. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. I kind of love that. Um, is that like a is that like a fan theory? Yeah, that's that's like that's kind of like. I mean, I I I think I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I I just thought of that, but I would assume it's not. It's too obvious for that not to have been thought of before. Yeah, sure. <laughs> there's no way that there's not several hundred Tumblr posts about it. Um, I I haven't seen them, but I don't know. 
It seems like a thing, and I like that. I don't know. That's at least that's how I would explain it away. I'd like to. You know? yeah. I'd like to think that Arthur Darville didn't know about the cameo until he was watching it at his own leisure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> then he picked up his acoustic guitar and went on stage on Broadway. All right. He was watching it on his iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah. So I'm glad that we all uh, uh, like it to to various levels. Um. But. Yeah, I, uh, I'm 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 surprised that the Eleventh Doctor era tied up so well um, because it was going in such a dark place uh, creatively <laughs> that um, it it kind of it kind of came out of the darkness and and now it looks like they're going to uh, embrace a different kind of darkness. He literally with, says uh, into darkness. Yeah, was the I am so excited. I know, I know. Okay, before we talk about. Um, we're going to, we're going to talk about the episode titles and the writers and directors of series eight, uh, before we do that and like all of our hopes and dreams. Um, but let's do our best and worst episodes of the Matt Smith era. Uh, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I think the worst is wedding of river song. Uh, no surprise there. Um, and I think the best, uh, surprisingly, I think the best is Vincent and the doctor. Um, you know, I it was it was close between that and the doctor's wife for me, but I think ultimately uh, Vincent and the doctor is like everything I could possibly want in a Doctor Who story. Whereas the doctor's wife uh, feels like a, it's it's more of like a one off special thing, um, and so like it's an it's it's an irregularity <laughs> if that makes any sense. So it's hard for me to say it's like my favorite um, because it it almost feels too special to be a favorite um for me anyway uh cassandra what about you um i think the worst episode is angels take manhattan or plot holes take manhattan as i affectionately call it (laughs) um and i for me it was between the doctor's wife and vincent and the doctor as well but this time uh like vincent just won me over um but my second is doctor's wife all right Nick? Um, my worst episode is Curse of the Black Spot. Eh. <laughs> oh, we each had one different one. That's good. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I could easily have said uh, uh, Wedding of River Song or The Angels Take Manhattan. Uh, I could also have very easily... I can go any day and say that Vincent and the Doctor and the Doctor's Wife are my favorite episodes, but because I don't want to double up, I will say that my favorite episode of the Matt Smith era is A Christmas Carol. Oh, nice. Aww. All right. Cool. Uh, my backup was uh, the lodger. I love um, the lodger. Yeah, the lodger's really good too. Um, okay, so before we talk about our hopes for the future of series eight, um, I'm going to run down the episode titles that were just announced. So we get the premiere uh, next week with Deep Breath, um, which I think is a really cool, like, cool like title for a for a season premiere because it's like Deep Breath, get ready. I like that. Um, ter- it's a bad title for a Doctor Who story though. Because um, it's weird and I don't abstract. Um, sounds like a Gillian, like, uh, sounds like a Gillian Flynn novel. It does, it does. But I like it as like a, as like a call to adventure mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, Into the Dalek, uh, which I can only imagine has something to do with uh, Oswin. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, but that one is uh, that one is written by Phil Ford and Stephen Moffat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny. I was talking to someone on Twitter, and I think I think you were at replied in it, Nick. Um, oh yeah. But uh, uh, 
I was talking to them on Twitter about it, and they're like, it looks like Stephen Moffat is writing a bunch of episodes because he has he has uh, a lot of and Stephen Moffat credits this season. And I was like, no, I think he's just finally actually being a showrunner rather than just letting the episodes go on the air as is. <laughs> um, but he's like pulling an Aaron Sorkin and putting his name on every script that he works on. Sure. Um, <laughs> sounds, that's, sounds like a terribly erotic title. Yeah. Into the Dalek. Yeah. Sorry. That's going to get us explicit. Yeah. Um, but uh, but, but uh, uh, Ben Wheatley is the director, which I find fascinating, um, and the director of Deep Breath. Right. Yes. Exactly. Um, I find that fascinating that he's a director for Doctor Who because uh, I've seen Sightseers, and I never once thought this guy should direct Doctor Who. Uh, it's a very uh, weird movie, and it's very um, uh, almost mumblecore um, in its style. So. I don't know what he's going to look like directing Doctor Who, but I'm fascinated. Um, Robot of Sherwood uh, is Mark Gatiss's episode, uh, directed by Paul Murphy. Um, he only has one this season, so that's interesting, Mark Gatiss. Uh, but Robot of Sherwood, that's uh, it's Robin Hood with robots. I'm in for it. Yeah. yeah. Sounds, we'll sounds almost exciting as taking a journey to the center of the TARDIS. Yeah, it does. Uh, Listen is the next episode written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Douglas McKinnon. No idea what that's going to be, but it is obviously trying to uh, recreate the magic of Blink, is what it seems. Uh, Just because the one word title and it's a thing that you do with your body. I don't know. Your face. I don't know. Um, Time Heist, which I think is the sexiest title. Uh, which means that it's unfortunately written by Stephen Thompson <laughs> and Stephen Moffat, uh, also directed by uh, Douglas McKinnon. Uh, I really hope with Stephen Moffat helping him write, because the last time they worked together on a single script, it was the it is my favorite episode of Sherlock. Um, so, fingers crossed. Which one was that, Scott? Uh, it was the uh, the wedding episode. His last vow. No, the power of the wedding, the episode. sign of th- the sign of th- yeah, the sign of three. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen that one. Oh, it's so good! Yeah, unbelievable. I've only good. I've only seen the premiere of Sherlock because life's too short. But I will, I will, I will get back yeah. on it. Just watch the wedding one, and then just just stop. Just don't watch any more than that. Just pretend that's the series finale and let it go. Can do. Um, okay, <laughs> um, and it's actually possible to do that. So just uh, go for it. Um, do not watch his last vow. It is garbage. Uh, the caretaker written by Gareth Roberts and Stephen Moffat. Hey. So Gareth Roberts. There he is. Yeah. Uh, the lodger himself. So that should be interesting. And this is called the caretaker. Uh, um, what if it's just, what if it's just James Corden, like under heavy makeup? Well, I've heard that there, that, <laughs> that the thing this season is like the, the, um, the school, uh, the school from that you know from the very from an unearthly child mm-hmm. uh, where where uh, Clara is working now, um, the doctor becomes like the caretaker of the school, and so I imagine that this will just be an episode where he's just just dealing with like children. He just becomes <laughs> the janitor from the Breakfast Club. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. And with Gareth Roberts on it, yeah. I don't know. I think that could be uh, something. entirely possible. Yeah. Oh God, I can't wait for that episode. Uh, Kill the Moon, which seems uh, violent and unnecessary, but uh, Kill the Moon, written by Peter Harness, a new writer. Hmm. Um, So we'll see what what he's got in store. Uh, Mummy on the Orient Express. Oh, my God. Um, That's like dinosaurs on a spaceship, only like twofold, I think. I just just bristled. It's like when Toothless found out that he had those spinities on his back. (laughs) 
Um, so that's written by Jamie Matheson, another uh, first-time writer for the show, who also writes uh, Flatline, uh, which uh, seems like it'll be uh, taking place in some sort of hospital or something. I don't know. Um, and then uh, In the Forest of the Night, written mm. by another new writer, Frank Co- Cottrell Boyce. Um, in the Forest of the Night sounds like a... Uh, I don't know. It sounds like it's from a poem. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, like tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night. Oh, okay. Um, and this is directed by uh, Sherry Folkson, who uh, who is a uh, a female director, as well as the director of the finale, uh, the two part finale, Dark Water, Death, and Death in Heaven, mm. uh, written by Stephen Moffat and directed by Rachel uh, Talalay, uh, who is the director of. Uh, of uh, Freddy, of Nightmare on Elm Street Five, Freddy's Dead, hey. and, and Tank Girl. Oh my God, really? Yeah, I love Tank Girl. Yeah, this is the director of Tank Girl. She's directing the finale. Good for her for sticking around yeah. the business. Yeah, surviving Tank Girl. <laughs> yeah, um, and then uh, and then we have the Christmas special, which doesn't have a title yet, um, but uh, it's being written by Stephen Moffat and directed by Paul Wimshurst. Let's refer to it as The Doctor Saves Christmas until we're told otherwise. <laughs> I just hope that that's what it's called. The Doctor be, Saves Christmas. I'd be for it. Doctor, um, doc, it's called Doctor Who Saves Christmas. <laughs> Doctor Who Saves Christmas. It's about the show saving Christmas. Um, but uh, yeah, I do love the idea that because the show is starting so late in the year, um, that I imagine that we won't find out what the name of the Christmas special is until the end of Death in Heaven when it says the Doctor will return in the doctor and give us the title. Doctor Who Saves Christmas. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I'm really excited about that because I've been missing that in the Moffat era. Sure. Um, because I always loved that in the Russell T. Davies era. Like, it was so exciting getting to the end of June, getting the finale, and then the Doctor Who or Doctor Who will return in this. Um, and then at the end of the Christmas special, you get the trailer for the next stuff, but we won't get that because the show doesn't come back in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. So what are we, uh, what, what, are, what are we thinking? What are we looking forward to? Uh, Cassandra, you haven't, you haven't spoken in a while. What are your, uh, what are your hopes and dreams? Mummy on the Orient Express sounds fun. Let's hope ex- it's a new writer. So it could yeah. very well be awesome. Um, there's a lot of like very brief, titles in this one yeah which is i don't know they're they're intriguing as titles but i don't they're not necessarily like doctor who titles um there's a few in there that are yeah um but for the most well, well actually just two i think well i mean think- three three the 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 most doctor who titles of these i think are uh robot of sherwood time heist and Mummy on the Orient Express. I, mean, I think those are the three that are the most like Doctor Who-ish titles. Yeah. Before you knew what Blink was, Blink's kind of a boring title on its own. Yeah. Oh, no, totally, totally. Well, I think we're just specifically talking about the titles. Oh, sure thing, yeah. <laughs> not, not what they could represent as episodes. Um, I don't know, because for me, like, writing the title is the hardest part. So it's interesting, like, kind of judging an episode by its... It's like judging a book by its cover, but... Yeah. Eh, whatever. Yeah. Speculation. Um, I I because I watched the trailer yes uh, yesterday, and 
it looks because apparently this series is going to be like an homage to like season 14 I believe from mm-hmm. Classic Who like the gothic like Tom Baker's like the high, Tom Baker at the height of his power like yeah. Doctor Who um the best so, the single best season of Doctor Who Oh my god it's so good yeah. um but it it bums me and I was like excited about like the prospect of there being a Robin Hood episode with like and in the trailer it looks like like it there might be like a sequel to the fourth doctor story robots of death which is wonderful because like the robot design looks like those robots Mm -hmm. but now it's like mark gatiss and now i'm not excited (laughs) this is like this is like i this is ice warriors all over again i'm like oh yeah ice warriors and now it's just like uh yeah but you know at the end of the day i'd rather have mark gatiss write an episode that has something I'm really interested in than him just writing an episode like Crimson Horror where I'm just like there's like nothing to look forward to you know (laughs) right (laughs) yeah so Um, uh, so yeah and the caretaker sounds like a larger sequel yeah it does um especially now that there's a baby so Mm. and it's Gareth Roberts yeah no I mean I hope it is yeah that'd be great uh Nick, what are your what are your what are your what are your overall hopes and dreams for the next series? Murder. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just. <laughs> Is... No, it's it's mummy on the oh. Orient Express. Okay, mummy. Yeah, mummy. No, yeah. I, I want the, I want the first thing. They it's like let's go to Earth, and they go to Earth, and he's like, "Who's this?" He stabs him. <laughs> Doctor, what? Uh... Is that not? I've been away a long time. No, I I'm really. No, I'm I'm palpable. His, his hands covered in blood. Tell me, Claire, I like good man. My kid, I don't like my kidneys. My kidneys. He's just a madman. <laughs> I also just want him to curse like a banshee. Oh no, yeah, I just want Malcolm Tucker and yeah, just Malcolm Tucker. Is the Do you remember that trailer? They they edited together. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> Get the f in or f the f out. <laughs> Or F the F, F off. off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I think, I don't know, I, I, I haven't seen anything. I've, I've not, 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 not to make a point of it, but like I just have, I haven't seen any of the trailers or anything. Oh. Um, so yeah, I'm going in blind and I don't know, I, you know, call me out on it uh, by Christmas, but I've, I'm going to, you know, m- you know, money on the table. Uh, I think this could be as good as season five. I don't know. Like I just, I think I think it's possible. It's certainly possible. I, I'm I've never been more excited about Doctor Who than I am right now. Excited and hopeful, and I'm just so ready for dark and moody and gothic and yeah, you know, because we're always longer takes. Everything's just longer now. Yeah, we're just like because we're, we're always uh, we're always gonna have we can always go on Netflix and watch like dinosaurs on a spaceship. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready for you know maybe something with a little bit more foreboding. Yeah, the ADD era of Doctor Who is over. Yeah, and I, I can't wait for it to like get less sexy <laughs> and just like. Well, I think that's going to be instantly because like that was one of the that was like like one of one of uh, Capaldi's stipulations. Yeah. He was like he was like there's not going to be any flirting, none whatsoever. Yeah. Like the doc, my doctor does not flirt. 
And he, de- he definitely doesn't flirt with his companion, and I don't really want him to flirt with anybody. Yeah, no flirting. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I want. He's like, he he was like, I see the doctor as like an anti-sexual being, like, like he always was in in the classic Who. Like that's what I want. <laughs> there's like, so there's a great line in Day of the Doctor where Ten's getting married, and John Hurt's like, "Is this just the sort of thing that starts to happen now?" And Matt Smith is like, it, it does. Ha- it does start happening. <laughs> oh man! But no, bring it on, bring it on, bring it all on. I'm so excited, and Claire can come too. Uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it'll be really cool to to see if she's like a way better companion with Capaldi. Sure. Yeah. Like, what if she's just awesome with Capaldi? That would be awesome. That would be great. I, I think the fact uh-huh. that Stephen Moffat has always been like a grumpy old white man. And now finally is writing for a character who's a grumpy old white man. Who knows? Like, <laughs> this could really, like, in all seriousness, this could be, like, a really good thing for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember when that, like, I think it was, like, a Photoshop, but it was, like, someone Photoshopped the Capaldi promo picture with, like, the Clara promo picture, and they just looked so good together? Oh, Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I oh. showed you that. I remember. Yeah. I was like, yeah. look at this. That level of excitement is where I'm at right now. And I'm really – I haven't been this excited about Doctor Who since, like, the end of season five. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. I – it's it, it's so refreshing to be back in it and loving it again. Yeah. After, like, so long of just, like, hating it and apathy. Yeah. Uh I'm so excited. And 12 straight weeks. 12 straight weeks of episodes. Oh, my God. That's going to be so good. Amazing. 12 straight weeks. And then, then, you know. Nothing until Christmas. Yeah, and then then Christmas. And, and, you know, Christmas isn't that far away. No. Really. Uh, Especially 12 weeks from now. That's three months. Yeah. So we're talking, uh, what is that, November when this is over? Yeah. 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 Like about So that's like a month. Yeah. A month for Christmas. Yeah, that's awesome, man. No, yeah. I'm on board, you guys. This is good. This is good. Um, so we will be back to talk about all of this stuff every week, every time a new episode airs. Um, the plan is uh, Mondays. I think is is when the episode will go out. That's the plan right now. We'll record on Sunday and then post on Monday. So uh, right after, um, you'll have uh, you'll have a new episode of TDC every week. Uh, really, really exciting. Um, so we'll be back next week to talk about Deep Breath. Uh, if you have thoughts you want to share on all the stuff we talked about, find the post of this episode at thedoctorscompanion.us and leave a comment. Or you can send us an email, tdcpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, check out uh, my other podcasts, uh, The Mind Robber, uh, The Mind Robbers, The Mind Robbers Versus and not writing which i do with nick uh over at mindrobber.net if you're on twitter follow at tdc podcast and you'll know the second a new episode hits every monday uh or you can follow our personal accounts i am at scott corelli cassandra is at dark hearted rose and nick is at nick m jimenez and if you like the show do us a favor and uh, leave us a review on itunes but most importantly tell people that we're back that we're about to start covering series eight um, and it's going to be awesome, and we're awesome, and you guys are awesome, and, and let everyone know when it's awesome. Uh, all right, so we'll be back uh, next week to talk about uh, Deep Breath. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.